0: Six, five, three, three, zero, zero, zero. People
1: like you, organizations like Ramp Check, i love you guys. Gotta be down ready now. You are clear for takeoff runway 21 left. Winds are called.
0: Stand by for the free trans on uniform. It's time.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Ramp Check Podcast. You getting tired of us yet? I'm, I'm just kidding. We, we, uh, we, we've been recording quite a bit of interviews. Um, and, uh, we're just going to keep going, uh, because we're having a blast. Um, I know that our guests have been having a blast. And speaking of guests, uh, we'll get to this person right here in just a second. But in the meantime, I'm Tony. I'm Aaron. And I'm Ryan. Okay. Well, thanks. Shall we just go on? <laughs> um, yeah, let's do it. so today on the Ramp Check podcast, uh, if you have, uh, been on Instagram, which you would have because you wouldn't know about us if you haven't been on Instagram, at least I think, um, you'll know somebody by the name of Acrojet. Uh, his name is Pete Fleischman. Uh, he, wow, I, you just look at his resume and, um, you're just impressed. F 16 Viper driver. Combat veteran from the Persian Gulf, over 10,000 hours in jets, USAF instructor pilot, um, uh, current ratings in the L 39, Boeing 75, the 76, the A320, and the 777. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Acrojet himself, Pete Fleischman.
1: <laughs> gentlemen, wow, I, that's a hell of an introduction. <laughs> you like
2: that? Wow, dude.
1: <laughs> God, we're, can, we, can I hang up now? I don't. I don't know if I can. That.
3: You're not getting up that easy. Yeah. Uh, I know. Well, you got to tell us how all that happened.
2: Well, thanks once again for listening to the Ramp Check podcast. We'll see you next time.
3: Absolutely. Um,
2: hey, Pete, we are thrilled to have you on the podcast. Thanks for taking some time to to kick up your feet, maybe uh, mm. pop a couple of cold ones, and uh, and and let's talk AB geek stuff.
1: Oh, absolutely absolutely well well hey gents it's, it's my absolute pleasure to be here um i i am a huge fan uh i stumbled on you on instagram and instantly went down the ramp check rabbit hole uh in the, you know, all, <laughs> you know, all of the all of the stuff that you guys are into so you know i've you know been the love the website love all the swag uh love the podcast and as a matter of fact i got tell you a funny story man. Um, uh, I was listening to the, uh, the first podcast that you did with, uh, Sluggo, Mark Hacera. And I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in my truck. I'm driving like an idiot, just like I always do on my way to, to Newark. Cause I've got it. I've got an airline trip to fly. Right. And I've now dudes, I've, I've done this drive like literally a th- a million friggin' times, right? I
0: could do <laughs> it with
1: my, right? I could do it with my eyes closed. You know, it's just, the truck knows where it's going. I mean, just pure autopilot, right? It's like, sometimes I'll get to Newark and I don't even remember crossing the George Washington. <laughs> <County. Yeah. laughs> I'm like, and I, I, I know, I know I had to,
0: right? And right.
1: So, anyway, so so here I am hauling the mail, uh, listening to the podcast and I blow by my fricking exit for Newark. I'm so engrossed. <laughs> In your (laughs) podcast and listening to Sluggle, I'm like, God damn it! Oh my god! uh, (laughs)
4: Hey, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome.
1: Well, well, thanks, dude. And and then and then you know, just slap me silly. You guys interviewed my idiot friend, you know, Chris Holmes, who I love. (laughs) Yeah, there you you go. He was fun. I mean, I just. I, I, and remind me later on. I'll tell you about flying the L thirty nine with him. What a, a just an absolute riot! But um so and, and oh. you know, do, you know, Chris. Like I was joking about it on Instagram, I don't know who he threw under the bus, you or me, to get to get you know to get me <laughs> on your podcast.
3: <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I, I tell you, Chris had had a lot of great things to say about you, and said. You know, you guys absolutely have to get you know Acro on on the uh, podcast. So we're honored. We're glad you said yes, oh, and uh,
1: this is awesome. Dude. Well, it's it's an honor for me too. It's absolutely my pleasure. But i got I got a couple of questions for you guys before we start. Is that cool? Oh, let's oh turn the uh, turn the tables yeah, here. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. First question is: Let's. What are the ground rules? Can I can I use some colorful language if I have to? Because some of these stories really require it.
2: Let me Is just cool? say this: cool. You really can't fucking swear on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All right. Um, okay.
0: Let me put okay. it Got this it? way:
2: You're, yeah, no, you're good, man. It's okay. it's totally fine. Cool. We're just we're just shooting the shit here. Yeah, yeah, you know, it. It,
4: it really wouldn't be an aviation themed podcast without it. Um, <laughs> Bruce, I haven't worked in any field of the aviation industry without. Um, you know, without using the proper language, it's kind of
1: like a rule of thumb, in my opinion. <laughs> excellent, yeah. excellent. Okay, so that was my first question. Uh, okay. Second question is not really a question; it's more of a statement. I just need you guys to understand that I am—I'm an old fighter pilot, and anything I tell you is probably only ten percent true. Okay, that—that that, the ten percent <laughs> truth rule, right? Okay, and that's—that's right. that's the stand. That's—that's that's the standard. That's fighter pilot standard. If, if it was a 10% truth, it was fact, and it could be written down in the Doofer book and it's you – know, <laughs> there you go. There you go. And then, and then uh, the, the, the last question I have for you guys is understanding that some of these stories require some colorful language to tell. Some of these stories also require alcohol. Is it okay if I, if I have a couple of beers while we do this?
4: Hey, hey
1: Pete, yeah, yeah.
4: Pete, here's your yep. answer to that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all, right,
1: all right, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Here we go.
0: Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, and I was going to
1: say,
2: sometimes, you know, oh, uh, uh, a little bit of uh, alcohol can, can help, you know, jog the memory. Yeah. It uh, can help loosen poor, poor the time. on little the
1: fire.
4: Yeah, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I mean. Absolutely. All reality, man, we just love having this podcast for the simple reason of just, hearing people's stories, and uh, getting to visit, and just have some fun, man. So, yeah, sit back, relax, and do whatever you need to do, man. We're already entertained. So, well, yeah, uh, not, cool.
1: not whatever right, well, you need to do. But, well, you know. I'm gonna t- well, I'm not going to put pants on, all right? I'm not putting pants on. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> all right. Thank God all we're right not then. doing a Zoom right. right now. So is that only 10% of the truth? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, but a big 10%.
0: Oh. <laughs> nice. Oh damn oh, man. Put
1: uh, that, that line. Put that
2: line from Top Gun. Yeah, so's Mike Johnson. <laughs> anyway. All right. We'll move
3: on. Oh, right on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> hilarious. So Dude. so any other questions for us? Any other uh, ground rule questions?
1: I, I don't think so, man. I'm I'm a simple creature, so that that Perfect, perfect. Excellent, excellent. Uh,
3: so, so let's let's start out, Pete. With do you want do you want us to call you Acrojet or Pete? Or
1: well, Flyget? I tell I tell you what, man. You you know what I'm yeah. probably the most comfortable with is if you use my Air Force call sign, which was Pig P I G Papa India oh. Gulf, and remind oh, yeah. me, I'll, I'll tell you that story. That's hysterical.
3: Perfect. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, Pig. Here we go. So. <laughs> there you um, go. Just, I'm uncomfortable <laughs> anyway. should ahead. we just start out with that one?
4: With pig? With pig? How <laughs> you became known okay. as pig. Okay.
3: Yeah. Let's let, let's just start out with the pig story and then we'll uh, we'll circle around. All
1: right. All right. Well, well, here it comes. And and let me just caveat this by saying that all of the women in my life hate this fucking story.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. They just I mean, it's that bad,
1: all right? But it's not like but it's not bad like like you're probably thinking it's bad. It's just fucking funny. So so anyway, um and 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 a couple of years ago, I wrote the entire narrative out uh on a kind of aviation website uh as a post and it made it all the way around the freaking globe, all the way through the interweb, and back to me in an email with you know one line that said, Is this you? I'm like, Yeah, that's me. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's classic. So so OK. Here, so here's the story. Um, when I graduated Luke uh, Air Force Base and my F-16 course, I was a young, you know, all dick, no forehead lieutenant. Right. Brand new <laughs> fighter pilot. Right. Yeah. Hair on fire. Right. Hair on fire. So my my first operational <laughs> squadron was with the 19th Fighter Squadron at Shaw in Sumter, South Carolina. So I drove all the way from Phoenix, you know, with, you know, and all the way to Shaw. Now, my wife was already, uh, a 141 pilot stationed just down the road in Charleston, and she cool. had found a house for us. Yeah. And she was already gone on some MAC trip by the time I got to South Carolina. So my one and only sibling, my older brother, uh, was living in uh, Columbia, South Carolina at the time, which is just up the road from Shaw. So I crashed with him the, you know, the night before I was supposed to report in for my, uh, my new assignment, and we just freaking partied like rock stars that night. You know, it was just like, <laughs> ridiculous. You know, I mean, oh my god! So I woke up, you know, the next morning, just feeling like ass. You know, sweaty. You know, sweaty butt crack. You know, you know, you know, yeah. Mouth is like an ashtray from all the cigars <laughs> <be> smoked, right? <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. my god! I mean, the last thing I want to do is go report to my new duty station, but I got to do it, right? So I put my freaking, you know, flight suit on. Now, no, it's July in South Carolina. Okay, it's hot. Oh yeah, right, humid. Yeah. It's like, Ugh. So I pull my boots on. You know, oh goddamn, oh, god. I gotta go. So I jump in my black car. <laughs> and, uh, ugh, it's like you a know, toaster in there you know and i i drive through the main gate at shaw and and i, I kind of know where i'm going uh because i kind of read the welcome to shaw package so i, I but previous to my arrival the, the entire airbase had been flattened by hurricane hugo
0: right so, so uh, wow. all, all,
1: yeah yeah so all of the flying squadrons were living out of temporary facilities that they all had constructed. So each squadron had a group of basically double wide trailers that were mm. all interconnected. You know, yeah. And so each squadron might have four or five trailers and they were, they were all kind of interconnected by this pressure treated deck and walkway system. So I pull up to this pile of double wide trailers, which is my new squadron. And I'm just sweating beer. I feel like hell, <laughs> you know, like, oh god, and I know I'm not going to do anything on the first day other than just kind of in process right so uh-huh. this enlisted guy goes you know so this enlisted guy goes walking by and i go hey man and he salutes me like yeah okay whatever hey dude i'm <laughs> um Pete... <laughs> 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 hey man I, i'm i'm Pete Fleischman. i'm the i'm the fng right uh can you tell me where the vault is and he goes yeah sir follow me and the reason i want to know where the vault is now every fighter squadron has what's known as the vault and and in a no kidding full up fighter squadron building it no shit looks like a bank vault with the big freaking door i'm not kidding you and everything Mm -hmm. and that's where all the classified shit is kept Uh okay Uh, okay and and as the new guy i know that my first job is going to be to get up to speed on the squadron's real world tasking and that all, all that shit is classified so I got to start studying that stuff right away. And I also know that all of my idiot friends from Luke that I went through F-16 training with that beat me there by a couple of days are already in the vault studying. So I'm, I figure if I can find the vault, I can find my bros. They can give me the lay of the land. They can tell me what to do. And I'll, I'll be off and running. Right. So I say, hey, where's the vault? Well, follow me, sir. So he takes me into this double wide trailer right and i'm like and and every step is painful because i'm just wicked hungover, right <laughs> like oh my god and we're going deeper and deeper into the bowels of this double wide trailer and as we get deeper it's getting hotter and more humid right and he he points at this door at the end of the trailer because there's the vaults there i'm like thanks man and i walk in there and it's this tiny little room no windows right and it's hot as hell in there
0: oh, and it's God. like
1: and it's and there's like classified shit everywhere i mean it's it's on top of file cabinets it's spilling out of boxes i mean it's totally it looks like totally unsecure i'm like this can't but i'm so hungover i don't even care right and and, <laughs> yeah. and, and there's one leather couch in there and there are three dudes in flight suits sitting there studying 3-1 which is our classified threat manual and they're sitting shoulder to shoulder two of the dudes i know the guy in the middle is R.B. Gibbons, right? R.B. Gibbons. And I go, hey, R.B. And he puts his book down. He looks up at me. and goes, hey, Pete, welcome to Shaw, man. How was your drive? High five. And I, I can feel this beer fart welling up. <laughs> in my gut. Right? Right? Oh, God. right? I can, right? Yeah, I can, oh, I can God. feel it. I can feel <laughs> it coming, right? So like the idiot lieutenant that I am, I lean forward and I go, "Hey, RB man, pull my finger. Put my finger. Pull my finger, right?"
3: Oh my god! So he
1: goes. So he he, kind of shrugs. He goes, "Yeah, sure." Leans forward and honks on my finger, and I honk out the hottest, nastiest beer (laughs) fart in the history of beer farts. Right? Startled (laughs) woodland creatures for miles. Oh my god! Yeah. So 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 instantly filled this tiny little windowless room. July, South oh, Carolina. Oh my god. It. I mean instantly filled it with ass smell, right? Just <laughs> <a> horrible. <laughs> heinous. So so everybody bails out, right? They they throw their books, they're like they're gagging, and they're running for the door, and they're they're bumping into oh. me in their in their in their in their haste, right, to get the hell out of there. And they're laughing, they're laughing hysterically, right? And yeah. in that in that in that nanosecond it occurred to me that yeah it's it's funny but it's not that funny something else (laughs) is going on right oh no second split second later i get hit in the back of the head by something really hard and it knocks me to the ground like on all fours and now all these three dudes are howling in laughter and i hear this female voice go you're a fucking pig And, and and i Oh, yeah. And I, I look up from the ground, and there's a female in BDUs with captain's rank on her collar, and she's got a metal three ring binder. And she's coming oh. down with it again. It cracks, slams me oh. inside of the head with this thing, right? I'm like, Jesus oh, no. Christ. Well, well, come to find out, you know, a couple minutes later, that that woman that was beating me to death with the metal b- three ring binder was Sarah, our in- our intel officer. And she was in there the whole. Uh-oh. She was in there the the whole time. I, I never I never saw her because she was on her hands and knees spreading out some uh, some files on the on the floor. So I walked right past her, never never saw her. And then she turned like ninety degrees, right. So her face was like an oh. inch from my tailpipe, right. Oh and, and, no! And, so so that's all behind oh, me and God. our and our. And freaking RB Gibbons saw the whole setup and still pulled my finger. He's like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) And so, (laughs) so, I mean, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish that, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, right? So, anyway, she never, she never, she never forgave me. So, I mean, I've been there like five minutes and I got a call sign already. So, so, (laughs) so, anyway, so for the rest, you know, the rest of that day, you know, you, you got this big checklist of, you know, all these uh-huh. processing things you have to do. You know, you got to go to military pay. You got to go see the flight doc, all this crap. The very last uh-huh. thing, the very last item on the list is go meet the squadron commander. Right After you've done all this other stuff, go meet the squadron commander. Oh no. So, oh yeah. So like by four <laughs> o'clock in the afternoon, I find the squadron commander's office. The door is open. Moose Irving, love this guy. He's sitting behind his desk. He's got these little half reading glasses on his nose. I, d- I went to like, You know, knock on the door once and report in in a military manner. He didn't, he didn't even look up. I don't even know how he knew I was there. Without (laughs) looking up, he just raises, he raises his hand, shows me his palm and goes, don't bother. I've already heard about you. Get the fuck
0: out. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Oh my God. Oh. It's oh, definitely the,
4: yeah. the best oh. call sign story I've heard so wow. far. Wow. I haven't laughed that hard in a while.
1: Those, those pre-party <laughs> mud parts are bad. Oh dude. And what's what was so funny, what was so funny about Moose, the squadron commander, is he never knew what my first name was, ever. Ever. Oh. My parents came down to visit, you know, I'm giving him a tour of the squatter, and He walks up to me, puts his arm around me, goes, you know, we really love uh pig. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. no idea. No idea what my <laughs> name was. <laughs> oh,
0: man. That's great. Oh. Yeah,
1: so, so, now, so now you know the rest of that story. Holy crap. Yeah,
3: that's <laughs> probably the best uh, call uh, sign story we've ever
2: heard, yeah, actually. So, so, Pete, for the record, you have yeah. officially topped the intro, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no I shit. mean, pig. Excuse me. <laughs>
1: uh, oh it's all good. It's all good. Oh, oh my. Really good.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so, so, uh, so uh sorry we're just gathering oh ourselves yeah, yeah yeah gathering ourselves um so um what got you let, let's go back to the beginning okay uh we always have to ask uh somebody we just met um that's uh into aviation a pilot nav geek whatever what got them into it so i guess for, for this question is what got you into wanting to fly to set you up for that pig story?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, I, I got to blame my I got to blame my dad for that. You know, it's um, it's it's funny, guys, as far back as I can remember, all I ever wanted to be was not just a pilot, but a fighter pilot. That was my mm-hmm. my highest goal in, in life ever since I was a little kid. I mean, my mom will tell you when I popped out of the womb, you know, my first word was airplane. Um, uh, You know, just one of those geeks, you know, just completely uh, single-minded and one-dimensional. But uh, my dad uh, was the same way. He was an aviation nut aficionado growing up, flew in the Navy for a little while, and then recognized the same disease in me and and really encouraged it. So he started me flying pretty early. Um, I could actually fly an airplane before I could drive a car. Um. Awesome. My mom, oh, she, nice. Yeah, I know, right? My poor mom. She used to drive me to the airport so I could go fly, and
0: um, you, know, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'd be,
1: you know, flying solo in my, you know, one hundred and forty Cherokee, and I'd do, t- you know, typical stupid, you know, young pilot shit like buzz the house, and you know, she'd be out <laughs> oh, in the yeah. front front yard like waving her arms at me, going, you know, go back to the airport, you idiot, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so so yeah it was it was really it was really my dad who um saw the same thing in me that he had and really encouraged it and you know my both my mom and dad they never said they never said no they were they were super super uh, uh encouraging and um uh you know it was funny i, I always thought uh well you know I'll, you know fly jets off of off of a boat like my dad and um, nothing against my navy bros i love my navy bros they they have the best stories
2: period right
1: um, <laughs> they just they just do that you know there's just so many things about flying jets off of a boat that just it's just ripe with you know uh, material. yeah oh um, you could imagine oh my God. yeah <laughs> but it was my dad you know my dad actually sat me down and he said you know what i, I love the Navy, and." Y- y- you can't go wrong, but have you been to an air force base? I mean, the airplanes are all clean. You know, the, the cues are great. They're golf courses, you know? And, and, and um, <laughs> you know, so, and, and part of the other issue was, um, I had been a big fan of the F 16 since, you know, the red white and blue prototype flew back in, you know, the mid seventies. Yeah. saw yeah. you know, saw in that airplane so much that I, that just, uh, just appealed to me about flying fighters, single seat, single engine, incredibly maneuverable. It's like a modern day Mustang, you know, and, and when you look at the airplane, it, it truly is bubble canopy, pointy nose scoop under the belly. You know, it's just, it just, yeah. So that was the airplane that I wanted to fly. So um, there was only one way to do that. And that was to, to chase that airplane uh, uh, in in the air force. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yep. nice. Yep, yep, that was yep. kind of cool.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is that's yeah. awesome. I mean, it, you know, being able to have that opportunity, that's cool. Um and and you're right. I mean, the, the F-16, it it just screams fighter jet. I mean, you know, the design from the 70s, but it's still just as badass to watch fly today as it would have back
1: then. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's yeah. A- a- absolutely. It you Awful. know, and that it, it is a it is a ridiculous airplane in in so many regards. I mean, it, it's overpowered. Um you can fix just about even if you're not that great a pilot. Um, any problem that you get yourself into, you can pretty much fix with your left hand. Just shove that left hand forward. It's got so much power. It'll just <laughs> oh, power yeah. its way out of it. You know, anything stupid that you do, you know, nine times out of ten, um, <laughs> it'll turn up its own, it'll, you know. It'll turn up its own ass. Um, you know, it's a 9G jet as soon as the wheels come up into the gear wells. I mean, it's just wow. a badass freaking a- airplane. Um, nothing. I mean, when I was flying them, there was nothing that could out-accelerate me. You know, I could run down anybody, you know. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it was just a just an absolutely magic airplane. And we used to say, you know, flying the F-16 was kind of like dating a beautiful, psychotic woman. You know, you, you <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you, you, yeah. you know you 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 know you love hanging out you, you love hanging out with her she looks good on your arm but you know you have to sleep with one eye open cuz she'll stick a knife in your back just for the hell of it. you know just cuz right i'll just you know i'll just kill you that's so oh yeah <laughs> um, um,
2: so i have a question for you about that about your flight training um, yeah so when we talked to mark Um, you know, he said that he knew that he wanted to fly the, um, the KC 135 from when he was a kid. You knew that you wanted to fly the F 16 since you were a kid. You know, fast. Uh, I don't know if you've heard our, our episodes with fast, but you know, he, oh, yeah, I love that guy. Right. He wanted to fly fighter jets too. Um, so how much. Control do you really have about what track you're going to take out of initial flight school? Because, you know, it sounds like a lot of people have really gotten what they want, um, including yourself. And so, you know, how did you how did you actually, from the time you knew you wanted to fly the F-16, actually make it into the cockpit of the F-16?
1: That's a that's a great that's a great question. And and it's a question that I that I actually get I, I, I get a lot. And um now you got to go back in time a little bit to, you know, 1989 when I went through pilot training at Vance Air Force Base in Enid, o- Enid, Oklahoma.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, at the time, uh, the students started out in the T37 you flew about 80 ish hours in the T37 and then you went to the T38, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Everybody
1: did. <clears throat> it didn't matter what you got after graduation. Everybody flew the T38. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: and, uh, now and nowadays um after the primary phase which is no longer the T37 that airplane's gone but the T6 Texan 2 is where you decide if you're going to go to the heavy track the TTB tanker transport well it used to be TTB uh anyway if you're going to go fly heavies then <laughs> yeah. right mm-hmm. then you right then you you go fly the 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 T1 Jayhawk which is a beach jet 400 militarized or mm-hmm. if you want to mm-hmm. pursue the fighter track you go fly the the T38 which is now up up to this up to the C model. But going back to when I went through pilot training. Um only the top 10% of the class would typically go to fighters. Um mm, the, okay. the major yeah, the majority of yeah, the majority of your pilot training class uh did not go to fighters. And at the and at the time it was totally based on how well you did. Mm-hmm. Um so if you're so Normally what they would do is they would quote unquote protect the top 10% of the class. And that's probably two or three guys. Right? So mm-hmm. by protecting them, they're what that, what that means is mm-hmm. by and large, whatever these three guys want, they're going to get because they are the top performers in the class.
0: Right. Okay. And
1: that's right. And that, and that's how <clears throat> it used to be. That's how it used to be. Now, the way it works now is, let's, let's say you finish the T-6 Texan 2 and you track select over to the T-38. So the most of your class will go fly the T-1. You and a couple of your bros and, and broettes will go to the T-38. And, and then you'll finish and you'll get your wings out of the T-38. So from the day you step on the property now at Air Force pilot training, virtually everything is graded. Every academic test, every stand up every flight i mean every maneuver everything is is graded so that uh-huh. you have this kind of so you have kind of like this running points total right mm, okay so if you are the top performer based on your points total you're the number one guy or gal um on assignment night they throw all the available airplanes up there on the wall And cause you're the number one guy or gal, you get to pick first. So you walk up to the wall and you go, I'll take that F 16 or I'll take that F 35 or I'll take that F 22. And now it's, yeah. Wow. That's how, that's how it works now. That's how it works. But, uh, you know, I think Mark, I I think Mark is, is somewhat of, uh, an anomaly in that, um, you know, he went to pilot training wanting to, wanting to fly the tanker. And, and I, I have no doubt that Mark probably could have flown whatever what he probably could have flown anything, right? I I have no doubt. Yeah. Um but that that was his choice. But this might this might get some guys' noses out of joint. But uh <laughs> I can tell you I can tell you that there nobody goes to Air Force pilot training except for Marcus Serra wanting to go fly <laughs> a buff. Right? <laughs> right.
0: Right. Yeah, everybody yeah. right everybody that walks in <laughs> the door wants
1: to fly wants to fly the raptor. I mean, or, or whatever. I mean, that's just, yeah, human nature. Right. That's, I mean, that, that's just yeah. how it is. Right. Um, yeah, and, yeah. and, as you go through the program, your priorities change, maybe you're not doing as well as your peers or whatever. So you're, so it changes, you know? Um, and, 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 and that's, that's, that's all okay. But again, it's the, and it's still true today. The top performers in your class, are going to go fly the fighters. That's, I mean, that's kind yeah. of a gross generalization, but that's really the way it is. And, and I'm sorry if people get butthurt about that, but that's the truth. You know, that's, that's just, that's just how it is. That's just how it
2: is. Well, and, and it makes sense. And actually for the, the younger people that are listening to the podcast, um, that's great advice. I mean, you want to strive to be your best anyway. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, and you're, you're part of an elite group if you make it into, into flight training in the air force anyway. But, you know that you need to push yourself that much harder to get what you want. So that's actually really good advice.
1: Well, well, thanks guys. And, and anyone that's, that's out there listening that's, that would really like to go be an Air Force fighter pilot. Some of the best advice that I can give you, um, now understanding having been through the fighter pipeline and also having been, uh, a T-37 instructor pilot at Air Force pilot training, Mm -hmm. right? Right. I did that. That was my sabbatical in between F-16 assignments. I went back to the training command to teach. Mm So, so I, I, have I've seen it from a lot of angles. I always, I always (laughs) used to say, give me a C student that can catch a football. That dude, I can teach to fly. Right. So, um, Mm -hmm. so, so you don't have to be a freaking brainiac to succeed. You need to be coordinated. You need to be able to Think fast and be flexible. But, but the other advice I would give uh, any young men and women out there that are thinking about joining the Air Force and trying to fly, especially trying to be fighter pilots, is if you can get some flight experience before you go, do it. Because when I showed up mm-hmm. at Air Force pilot training, I had about mm-hmm. 500 hours of total time. Uh, I had a commercial instrument uh, and, and a flight instructor certificate. So, I I mean, I kind of knew how oh, to damn. fly yeah. already. Yeah. Right. Right. right? And, I mean, mm-hmm. and you contract. And. And. So, it, so I wouldn't say it was easy, but it was easier for me than, than, su- than some of my peers. Um, but I'll, 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 sh- I'll, throw up another example for you. Um, you know, my wife, Christy, she and I were in the same pilot training class, believe it or not. And we were married at the time, highly unusual. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Highly unusual. <laughs> How's that so, for a rivalry? You know what? We were, we were awesome study partners together. Um. And, um, we, you know, we really, um, I'm uh, sure you were studying. <laughs> now, now, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. little brothers. Like, <laughs> All right. I know, right? Go ahead. But like, for example, what I was going to say was, you know, when, when Christy showed up at pilot training, she had a private pilot certificate and she did, she did great. I mean, she, she crushed it. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, she crushed it. So, I mean, I, I've seen it from my own example. I've seen it from her and I've seen it from students of mine that I had. When I was a T thirty seven instructor, that came in with you know some previous flying experience, and it, it really is a leg up. It really, really does help a lot, a
0: lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
4: Well, um, so um, speaking along the lines of of Christy, because we're looking at your website here, um, how how did you guys meet? Um, I know that a little more on the personal side, and it's not about how you became a pilot or got interested, but you know, I, how cool is that to be able to which we'll get into uh, what you do at Acrojet a little later. Um, right. But how cool is that to, you know, work with her and and what's the story behind you guys meeting and then, like, being basically in business together and flying together. Yeah. and yeah, I,
3: both, both in the Air Force. And, and you and, know, I got to
4: say, you can tell her this, the C-141 has always been my favorite military transport, and I'm sad that it's I don't a get cool to airplane. see him anymore. Yeah, so yeah, I cool. love that airplane. So when I was it's reading cool that... Airplane. Yeah, I was like, I was like, hell yeah. So anyway, yeah, go ahead. Oh, but before you do that. yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm on number two. Damn. God, I got to catch up, oh. man. I <laughs> 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 have to do some shots oh. of Jeremiah Weed or something, man. Oh, oh no. Here we go. <laughs> uh. Bad things happen when the weed comes out. Man, I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, yeah, weed weed and weed and Jaegermeister, those are two partners in crime. It's just uh, oh, my god. oh god. Oh god. So, oh, well, well, but you're right. I mean, you know, Christie has always been the brains of the operation. I mean, always, 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 right? Always. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Thank God. Um she's always been the adult in the room too, which I really appreciate. Um but <laughs> as far <laughs> As far as, as far as meeting, meeting her, I, uh, I, I went, you know, I went to Embry Riddle down in Daytona Beach. I was an Air Force ROTC cadet. So they send you away for a couple of weeks in the summer to, you know, learn how to fold your underwear into squares and march and,
0: you know, (laughs) all
1: that, you know, all, all that, you know, military stuff. Right. So. I, I was at Tyndall Air Force Base for Air Force ROTC field training, again, in July, right? It's hot as hell. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, dude. And, and we would we would run the, the obstacle course early, early in the morning just because it was just too hot and humid, you know, later in the day to do it. So, so you're out there running this obstacle course at 4 o'clock in the morning, and we would run it in three-person teams, right? So <laughs> uh, So you're only as fast as the slowest person on your team so and, mm-hmm. and it's a te- team building teamwork thing as well too right so we're hauling ass through this obstacle course at four four o'clock in the morning and there are some of these horizontal telephone poles that you gotta like kind of leap over and crawl over and the first dude goes and i go and we both land on the other side of these telephone poles and we're waiting one potato two potato Where, where's our third well our third was christy and she's a little shorter than both of us so we both run around and she's climbing up these telephone poles and me you know the clock is running i'd never met her before so uh-huh. i grab her by the co- i grab her by the collar i grab her by the belt and th- me and this other dude literally throw her over <laughs> the f- break right right just launch her over these telephone poles and i I run around and she's climbing up dusting off the dirt spitting dirt and she's ready to fight man. she's pissed <laughs> and I,
0: I, you know I, and i
1: and I was like, run now, fight later. Like, just run now, fight later, <laughs> fight later. So <laughs>
0: that's how I met her. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, her her Air Force call sign was was killer, you know, K-I-L-L-E-R. And uh, oh, wow. pretty appropriate, pretty appropriate, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, you, know, yeah. You, don't,
1: you, don't, nice. you know, you don't want to mess with her, man.
3: Yeah. <laughs> So yep. you guys like together are a kill, killer pig. That's great. That's awesome. Say
0: pig killer. Yeah, or pig killer. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: <Wow>. Um,
1: <laughs>
2: Good stuff. So does uh, does Christy still fly now? I noticed that she's got a um, a Bombardier uh, CRJ rating, basically, the CL-65s. Um, I used to uh, dispatch uh, the RJs uh, when I was in the airline business so is she
1: still flying now or no she uh, she is not f- uh, flying commercially or professionally anymore. She get, you know she was at um, <clears throat> Atlantic coast for a couple for a little while and uh, had a belly full of that just wasn't wasn't her thing. Mm-hmm. So that's where that uh, RJ type rating uh, came gotcha. from gotcha. Um, but you know, she's been flying with me in the L 39 and, and she's, she's got a million different aviation plates up on sticks, uh, all, all kinds of stuff, uh, all kinds of stuff going on. Um, pretty, pretty cool. So yeah, she's, she's always, always got some irons in the fire for sure. Um, but yeah, she's been a, just a colossal help, um, with, with Acrojack and it, and it is, it is actually, it's no kidding a partnership. So, you know, she and I are, are equal partners in, in Acrojet. And again, she's the, the brains, the brains of the operation. <laughs> that's yeah,
3: that's. Smart. <laughs> Great, great. <laughs> so yep. um, uh, I want to circle back real quick to um, um, F-16s and, and you flying yeah. uh, in the Air Force. And um, what I would love to hear from you is the story the very first time you took an F-16 up solo um
1: what what was that like you know that that comes pretty quick um the the f-16 is uh a very easy airplane to fly the the stick and rudder stuff is very Mm -hmm. is very easy uh the rtu the the f-16 uh qualification course for um you know guys that have never flown the airplane before like, like me at the time is still six months long, not because the airplane is necessarily difficult to fly around the flagpole. It's not, it's using to work all of the, all of the systems on board the airplane and, you know, all that stuff, you know, the, the radar targeting pod, I mean, all, all all that stuff. That's why the course is so long and, and you got to hit a little bit of everything. You got all the air to air stuff you got to do. You got all the air to ground stuff you got to do. The F-16 is nuclear capable. So, you know, you got to learn how to, you know, chuck a nuke with it I mean just all, all kinds of crap but um uh-huh. to answer your to answer your question I think you know when I showed up at luke we did a couple sims just for switchology and then they throw you in the the d model the two-seater with an instructor mm-hmm. i think for, i think for six rides i I, okay. I think it's six i think it's six rides mm-hmm. and then uh and and then you know you get a quick qualification check in the airplane and then and then you're then you're good man and I gotta tell you the first time you jump into the single seater, um, you know, you're, you're young, you're new to the airplane. You got, you got so much on your mind. I mean, the fighter pilot prayer, gentlemen, the fighter pilot prayer is very <laughs> simple, right? The fighter pilot prayer is God, please don't let me fuck up. Right? Love it! and, and <laughs> yeah, right? I thought that was right? coming. That's great. <laughs> right, and and the and the on, on the flip side of that prayer coin, it says, "I'd rather die than look bad." Right. So, <laughs> oh, so <yeah. laughs> right? right. So you're you're so focused on those two elements of your persona, right? And and you're so uh, involved in what you're doing that you don't even. I mean, I didn't even really realize that I was flying this single seat, $30 million airplane until I'm back on the ground and the crew chief is marshalling me back into the chalks. I mean, you're, you're just so boresighted on what you have to do and what you're doing and you don't want to screw uh-huh. up. Right. And there's, you know, you got this helmet fire going and, um, yeah, so it d- didn't really sink in until actually I, I, until I'd actually done it, you know, and then you were yeah. done. You're like, you, know, you know, it wasn't like this, holy crap, you know, as you're breaking ground off the runway and, in the single seater, you know, it was just, you know, it didn't sink in until, you know, actually I, I got back. Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. interesting. Yeah. wow, Yeah. Yeah. Cool.
0: <laughs> so yeah. <My> <laughs>
2: so as we got started, you asked, um, uh, about the ground rules for some of your stories right. because they require some colorful language.
0: <laughs> I'm ready for one <laughs> yeah. of those, man.
2: Yeah,
3: I'm
1: ready.
3: <laughs> Let's do it. You're, re-
1: you're ready for one of those. All right. Well, I, well, I told think,
3: you. I, I think the beer, the the fucking bear fart or whatever. That's, that sounds. Oh pretty my good. god! So how you got your name. Well, that was. And yeah. if one
4: of those stories could include maybe like a gear up landing or something, <laughs> that would be great. Oh,
1: dude. Well, well, if you if you guys are familiar with with my Instagram, you. Been... <laughs> You've, you've seen all the all the l39 you've seen all my l39 gear up photographs probably right and yeah I, and yeah yeah and, and a i think you even asked me a question about it at one point right? i did mm-hmm.
3: yeah yeah I was like it was soon after it happened i believe oh, really? I, I was talking yeah. about you know ejection seats and and you know what would you have done if if it wouldn't have been safe to bring it into belly land or you know yeah yeah so funny. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so, um, well that uh, we're jumping around a little bit, but if you want, I could kind of tell you how that all went down. If, if you want to hear that story. Um, sure. Totally up to you guys. Oh, all right. Well, so, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> so <laughs> with, with regards to the, the L, the L 39, um, uh, and we can get into the why the L 39 later if you want, but on this particular day, uh, it was the 20th of October, 2018. It was a beautiful day to fly. And, um, I had a, a, a young gal, female student in the back. It was her first jet ride ever, right? Um, she's a pilot, uh-huh. but didn't, you know, didn't have any, any jet stink on her. So we were going to take the airplane <laughs> out and turn, you know, 300 gallons of jet fuel into just ridiculous fun, right? Just Nice all you know just ring the airplane out right so uh, br- you know briefing went smoothly all that stuff she was pretty fired up and uh, i go ripping down the runway for takeoff <clears throat> runway 24 at bridgeport connecticut where the airplane uh is based or was based um and uh, rotate break ground uh lean forward to put the gear handle up and raise the landing gear and before i can get my hand to the gear handle rob the tower controller, who's a friend of mine, keys the mic and goes, hey, Pete, you just lost a wheel. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Never want to hear and, that. And that <laughs> right? And, and, and that, that, was, that was my reaction, too. I'm like, you got to be fucking right? kidding. So, <laughs> I, so I literally look, I look at the tower, and I put my visor up, and I, I kind of do one of those, you know, like pointing, you know, kind of jab my head at him, like, are you fucking kidding me? And, um, <laughs> right. right? I, I don't know, I don't know why it's not like he can see me. So, yeah. um, so, you know, needless to say, I did not put the gear handle up. I left the gear down and, and I left the flaps where I left the flaps where they were too, in case they might've been damaged. But I, I, I had no idea that I, I'd, that I had lost a wheel. So I keyed the mic and I said, "Key, be more specific? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, uh, by this point I was, you know, past the departure end of the runway going 160 knots. And he said, nah, I, I can't tell, but it's, it's one of your main wheels. I'm not sure which one. And I said, all right, man, I'm going to circle back around in the North. I'm going to come down the runway at 500 feet, take another look for me. So I circle back around in the North. I come down the runway and as I'm flying past the tower, he goes, yeah, it's your right main wheel. I said, Rob, are you saying wheel or tire, dude? Because those are two totally different things.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Right? Yeah, really. Right. Right. And he goes, No, man, you got a bare gear strut on the right side. The entire wheel's gone. You got oh, a wheel. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. You got a good left main with a wheel and a tire, and you got a good nose with a, you know, a strut and a tire. So now I had a mental picture in my head, right, of what's going on. Cause there's no, caution light no indicator light and you know the cockpit says you lost a wheel you lost a wheel <laughs> you know, yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: doesn't it ex- doesn't exist right so so you're you know your brain goes into high beta at that point right um so uh, i said okay hey clearly this is an emergency so i declared an emergency and i told rob hey man i'm gonna i'm gonna pump out to the east here and i'm gonna go orbit over charles island which is a known VFR landmark for all the other traffic. I said, I'm going to set up an orbit there at 2,500 feet. Just keep everybody out of my way. I got to sort some shit
0: out. Right. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Now I've been, you know, I've been flying airplanes for a long, long time. I've had a lot of crazy stuff happen. Um, And I can tell you that, I mean, in this particular case, it wasn't a, it was not a time critical emergency. I wasn't on fire. Right. I wasn't running out of gas the engine was running fine i had good hydraulics i had electrical power right i, I had a i had an airplane full of fuel right so mm-hmm. i had some time i had some time to kind of get my shit together and there is a formula for handling any emergency in an airplane and i don't care what your emergency is but there are three basic dance steps that the air force taught me and they are universally applicable and they are in order Maintain aircraft control. Somebody's got to fly the airplane all the time. Right. All the time. Mm-hmm. Right. All the time. No matter what mm-hmm. else is going on, got to fly the jet, fly the jet, fly the jet. So maintain aircraft control, analyze the situation, figure out, you know, figure out what your freaking problem is and then take the appropriate action and then land as soon as conditions dictate. That's, or that's actually four, right? So that's it. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so when you, when you apply mm-hmm. that formula, I mean, there's already a framework for you to work through the issue, right? So, got to fly the airplane, fly the airplane, fly the airplane first. So, so then analyze the situation. Okay. Well, I had this mental picture in my head based on what you know Rob had told me of what my situation was, and I knew I I knew in my core what I had to do. I knew it, but I just had to hear myself say it out loud, right? I just so <laughs> yeah. God damn it. Right. So I, I set up this orbit. I got the airplane all trimmed up. Everything's cool. Gears still hanging. And I've got my checklist, you know, strapped to my mm-hmm. right leg and I flip it open to the, to the emergency section. And then I flip it a little deeper to the landing emergencies. And the very first page there is landing with a blown main tire. I'm like, well, that doesn't mm-hmm. really apply, but I'll read it just in case there's anything I can glean from this. Right. So I read it. No, it doesn't really apply. I flipped the page and there it is in big bull print, belly landing. I'm like, fuck.
0: Oh, <laughs> damn. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, and, and I, I, I knew that's what I had to do because it really, it, it is not a landable configuration, right? Because the L39 doesn't have the greatest brakes in the world anyway. So, okay. and now I'm missing, right? So I'm missing an entire right main wheel assembly. So I know that there, you know, the brakes. There's no brake over there, right? Mm-hmm. So if I landed in that configuration, I I had no confidence that the only brake that I had on the left main would overcome the drag from that bare gear strut on the pavement, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So then that's so then you know that's a pretty easy scenario to envision. You get pulled off in the direction of the drag off the pavement into the grass. That bare gear strut digs into the grass, and then there's a tumbling oh, fireball, yeah. right? Right, tumbling yeah, fireball, yeah. <laughs> and, and two to to fatality, Right, so not yes. not a really attract a really attractive option. So, uh, and landing in the grass, gear up is not an attractive option either. I had so many people ask me, "Why? Why did you land on the pavement? Why didn't you land in the grass?" And that's a very simple answer: the pavement, mm-hmm. the runway, is a very even, predictable, hard surface, right? The grass, mm-hmm. not so much. Not so much, man. It it undulates. There are chuckholes. There are there are storm drains. There's all kinds of shit that could flip the airplane, right? So mm-hmm. the grass is a very bad idea, and and um, and that's kind of an airmanship thing. But I'm surprised how many times I get asked that question. You know, why didn't you land in the grass? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I guess they,
3: they just think that being the grass, you know, I mean, you could slide on grass and bare knees and be fine. They're they're not realizing. How easy a divot can turn an airplane like that, going that speed?
1: <laughs> yeah, you, you're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So, uh, you know, once I kind of said it out loud to myself, "Hey, we got to come in gear up." Uh, I brief, you know, I, I briefed my student in the back. She did great. You know, I, I had to talk her off the ledge a little bit, um, <laughs> right? But I was like, "Hey, you know, yeah. this is no big." And I told her a massive, bold-faced lie. I'm like, I've done this before. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, <gosh>. right? right? <laughs> yeah. Right? She's like, yeah. She's like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. She didn't ask when. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know. But like, I've done this before. Don't worry about it. It's really not yeah. that big a deal. The airplane's going to go straight down the runway.
0: And mm-hmm. I told
1: her, just, be, you know, just be thinking about how you want to get out of the airplane. You <laughs> know, remember slower is faster, right? Don't rush and screw something up. Just be slow and deliberate. Yeah. And so it kind of gave her a briefing and, uh, put the gear up. The gear came up nice and clean and I keyed the mic. I told Rob, Hey, man, when you're ready for me, I'm coming in gear up on runway two four and this will be a full stop. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah so you, so did you...
4: say 10 percent of your <laughs> <Yes.
1: No. laughs> nice yeah so so it took him a while to kind of position all the uh uh firefighting equipment and stuff right so when he said you you know you're ready we're ready for you down here man I, I flew a nice long straight in stabilized approach and it's really mm-hmm. it's really a weird feeling to be coming down final knowing that you're gonna land. With the gear up and the gear horn is blowing the whole time oh,
0: trying to yeah. tell you to put
1: you put you know put your put your gear down idiot you know because the jet oh, is, you know yeah. somewhat smart it realizes that you're low to the ground and you got mm-hmm. some flap you know you got landing flaps out and you, you know. so that's kind of kind of surreal and then what was really really weird was in the flare when you fly through that point that you're used to feeling the wheels touch the runway and you mm-hmm. just keep coming right that mm. sucks that's a shitty feeling, right? Oh, so man. yeah, so my, my plan was, and it worked out pretty well, was, um, to shut the engine off as soon as I knew that I was on the ground, because I didn't want to fod the engine out, right? Yeah. So I, I, I was speed brakes up. The speed brakes are on the belly of the airplane. I didn't want to destroy them either. So I came in, gear up full flaps. And when I, when I heard the trailing edges of the flaps touch the runway, I shut the engine off immediately and then just gently flew the nose to the runway and (laughs) God damn it. That, that airplane, what a great, tough little airplane, man. It, it, it went straight down the runway. Um, and there is a sound that God reserves only for an airplane sliding (laughs) on its belly on a freaking (laughs) runway. It was the most heinous sound I've ever heard in my life. Right. God, it was loud as hell. Oh, it was horrible. But um, and I could smell I could smell the smoke I could kind of see the flames that were coming up from the belly in my peripheral vision and I'm thinking okay I can I I got a fire bottle I could blow it's really for the engine but it might help I mean again your brain's in high beta right so right, your brain yeah. is is just is just cranking but you also have that temporal distortion too which is really really weird but mm-hmm. you know the airplane came to a stop and very slowly and deliberately got all my shit together. And, and as I was climbing out, the fire department was shooting the airplane with foam. Um, and, uh, and you know, Bob's your uncle that, you know, that, that was it. And what was really, really funny, you know, all these kind of, kind of surreal things was I remember stepping out of the cockpit, you know, throwing Uh. my left leg over the side and hitting the runway. I'm like, God, that's weird, man. Cause oh, you're, so going, you know, weird. Right? Yeah. you're so used Climbing to going, right? So going down, you know, yeah, <laughs> going down a ladder, you know, I'm like, God, that's just bizarre, man. Looking down into my cockpit. Um, but there was a, uh, there were, in addition to all the fire trucks, there were two, uh, police cruisers from the city of Bridgeport on the runway. And so, you know, the paramedics had to check me out. The fire chief came over, talked to me. Everybody was awesome. Uh, and then eventually this, patrolman came over to me and he said hey i need to take a statement from you and i'm like uh really because it's kind of obvious what what happened here so you know and he had his book out like you know that book that they write traffic tickets with right yeah yeah yeah. and and he and he's writing he's writing on his book i'm like what could you possibly be writing right i know am i getting a ticket or whatever so he, he tears it up it's hysterical <laughs> he, he tears it off of his book and he hands it to me and he goes hey up in the corner there's a there's a phone number if you have any questions am I am I getting a, am I getting a ticket he goes, no but on this little on this little piece of paper he had written airplane crash landing it's probably the only one of those he's ever going to write in his <laughs> career
0: oh my, <laughs> oh
3: my god <laughs> wow
1: hey yeah. hey yeah.
4: Pete I gotta know did you tell your student after you're on the ground safe uh yeah that was my first one <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know or, what she, you know what she never asked i i guess he must, you know, everything everything went okay so she probably yeah he probably has done this before oh good yeah like, uh,
2: but then again funny, it might man. not be a might not be a good idea to share this episode of the podcast with her if she's gonna find out this way
1: <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know right yeah you, you're probably right yeah you're probably well it's what's really what's really funny about that is um she uh, she lives over in Pennsylvania, and uh, you know a- after that afternoon I ha- hadn't seen her since. But on the anniversary of our gear up landing, she sent me a text message: "Hey man, <laughs> glad <laughs> to be <Yeah>. alive." <laughs> like, that's funny. Yeah, 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 me too. Yeah, me too, man. <laughs> but uh, and w- what a great little airplane, and w- and uh, it really is a tough airplane. You know, built in the Czech Republic, it's got a Russian uh-huh. engine in it. It's tough as nails. And fun fact: that's actually the second. Gear up landing that that particular tail number has had. The previous owner did an unintentional gear up landing with it in Oxford, Connecticut. I have pictures of it sitting on the runway at Oxford. Oh wow, wow. Yeah, so tough little airplane, really, really is tough little airplane. What's the current stat? What's the current status of that jet? Well, that that particular airplane, um, it's down in Gadsden, Alabama. We had to we had to pull the wings off of it um, and truck it down to Gadsden to get it put back together and. Not taking anything away from my, my firefighters, my first responder guys. I love them. They did an awesome job. I would never say anything bad about them. Um, but what's interesting is the fire, the firefighting foam actually did more damage to the airplane than I did. Um, oh, wow. so oh, wow. yeah, yeah. So, um, it, so it's kind of an Easter egg hunt right now as we rip through because that stuff's super corrosive and it got all in the cockpits. Um, so it's kind of an Easter egg hunt right now. The airplane is still in pieces. Um, but I think, it I think that particular L 39, will probably find a new home. Um, I, and when we get that deal finalized, I'll, I'll let you guys know on Instagram, but the cool thing is I'll get to keep flying it. So I will, I'm kind of looking around for a new airplane right now. Um, mm-hmm. not super seriously, but, but I am, I mean, it, it's, it's one of those things that, um, you know, we're accurate we're, we're looking at. So in yeah. the meantime, I, what, with my airplane tits up, I've been able to, um, continue to fly the l39 because i am an l39 instructor obviously and i go all over the country i have students all over the place and i fly with them so like uh aaron if you bought an l39 tomorrow mm-hmm. um, i could train train you check you out in the airplane and get you ready for your check ride so I-, I had a student up in providence rhode island that did just that bought a beautiful l39 that was owned by frank borman um and oh, wow. got him oh. already oh very yeah, cool yeah. that's awesome yeah, yeah did, um- that airplane go ahead H- have you uh,
4: done any uh, instructing for anyone here in utah
1: i've not have not done any instructing out in utah but i, I would i would love to um what a great environment to fly you know just just beautiful and mm-hmm. uh, you know the weather's usually pretty good no I, I have not have not had the opportunity to instruct out in in utah yet, yet but I i've was, got a student. Um, you know, got a, yeah
4: i was I was asking just because when I worked, um, the line out here for a local FBO, there was a a guy who owned an L 39. And, uh, so I was just wondering if somehow maybe we might've crossed paths and not knew it, but, uh, that's too bad. Cause I I, I have a feeling I would have remembered meeting you anyway, if I had, so.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, it's funny, you know, because, um, Chris Holmes, um, he came up to Connecticut to fly my airplane with me Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: we had an absolute blast. And, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. I've flown with a lot of different people and you know, over the years, um, some awesome pilots, you know, some have no concept of man powered flight, you know, that that's okay. (laughs) Right. So, you, you know, you run into all different kinds of pilots out there and there are, there are two people that I've flown with that are, just naturally gifted aviators probably a couple more but the two that come to mind right now are my oldest kid max he's just he's just got it it's Um, in the blood and and yeah he's just got it and um chris holmes this kid i mean he he, uh after you know i kind of sized him up and, and we had known each other before but we'd never flown together so he came up we we briefed and i was like dude you're going in the front seat because the vast majority of the time if i've never flown with somebody in the L39 i, I their first flight is always in the back seat always 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 because
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's some stuff in the front seat that's only in the front seat some kind of important stuff like the radios for example right <laughs> yeah, um yeah. but i right but i just knew from talking to chris that yeah he's got his shit together he's going to be fine and and, and he was just probably one of the most naturally gifted aviators that I've ever flown with. He just, he just was all over it. And, and that guy really, really missed his calling. He probably should have been a fighter pilot. Um, but, uh, you know, he's, he's flying the hell out of that S two eleven now. And, and he's, <laughs> yeah. he's on a, he's, you know, he's, he's such a cool dude. He's got such a great trajectory going. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, we just, we just had an abs, absolute blast. And, um, we, uh, we we did you know, just about everything you could do with with the L thirty nine and and it was it was cool man I I'd, I'd be like hey man let me show you I'll show you a Cuban eight real quick. like for example aerobatic mirror. I'll show you a Cuban eight just show it to him once he's like yeah I got that does one better than me I'm like Holy <laughs> <shit."> <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> that's funny wow. yeah so yeah he's a he's a very gifted uh, very gifted aviator so yeah that's,
3: dude, that's cool did did you hear uh, the podcast uh, where he explained how uh he took uh one of the, you know the 757 out of vegas an unrestricted climb to nineteen thousand feet out of vegas yeah. <laughs> oh my god that that just would have been awesome
1: <laughs> yeah yeah the, what a great story i mean a, a lightweight 757
0: yeah. yeah that airplane's
1: got got ton, tons of power anyway and uh, well you know and and, and that kind of brings me to an, an an interesting point you know people will ask me you know why the why the l39 and and mm-hmm. and got into the l39 um because you know i've been at my particular airline for over 20 years mm-hmm. and and every year you know we're in the simulator and it's kind of dial a death right dial a disaster every possible thing that could go wrong mm-hmm. right, will go wrong um And the training is outstanding, but at some point in the training, we would, we would always do some upset or unusual attitude profiles, right? And now for somebody that's done a lot, that's done a lot of aerobatic flying or somebody that's been a military pilot, those people are typically very comfortable in an airplane that's upside down or up or inverted nose low or, Uh you know, inverted, right, whatever. Right. And, and they're, you know it's not it's not really an exaggeration there really are no unusual attitudes for a fighter pilot right if you're max performing mm-hmm. the airplane you're you know, you're fighting in 3D you're all over the place so what now my my peers at the airline i mean they're all exceptional pilots with great resumes and awesome training but most of them are not military pilots and most of them have not had any aerobatic experience so it would always amaze me when mm-hmm. they would well but i was surprised that these guys would perform poorly mm-hmm. during the upset profiles right um and how badly they would screw it up you know my like, god the airplane's just upside down just roll it right side up you know it's like, come on man but they're doing all kinds of crazy shit right and making the making their problem worse um and and it's huh. not that they're bad pilot you know yeah it's not that they're bad pilots because they're not they, they there's just a skill set that they don't have, right? There's an arrow missing right. from their quiver, right? Okay. So, <laughs> and and that really that really got my eyes open to one of the fundamental problems in aviation, not only commercial aviation but general aviation, and that's the that um, loss of control in flight, right? Um, mm-hmm. And that's the number one reason for hull losses worldwide. Every decade, we kill about two thousand people a year from from Loss of control in flight and, and an airplane can get upset for a variety of reasons, whether it's a weak turbulence encounter or, you know, some other kind of turbulence or an al- aircraft malfunction. There are a lot of ways an airplane can roll over on its back, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that, there was that very famous one, that Challenger that got rolled, uh, by that Emirates 380, right? And they did like, oh six yeah, oh, that's yeah. Right. <laughs> right. 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 And, and that airplane, I mean, that, that crew managed to recover the airplane and divert and the airplane never flew again because it was overgeed uh was wow. a, was a hull loss regardless so anyway so um it, it really began to dawn on me that this is a stick and rudder problem um the number one reason that we're losing airplanes is purely a stick and rudder issue so i i made it my mission to fix that problem one pilot at a time and the L39 is the perfect airplane to tr- to train somebody in upset recovery procedures. Um, and when I mean somebody, what I really mean is somebody that flies a transport category jet. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. the, the right. The, the skills transfer from the L 39 is, is very easy. Um, it's an, it's a, a plus eight minus three G airplane. You're not going to hurt the airplane. You can spin it. Um, uh, so it's the perfect airplane to take somebody out and teach them how to recover an airplane. That's upset. And we, and, and I built a syllabus. Uh, and, um, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Eclipse, the Eclipse jet, the uh-huh. Eclipse 500, mm-hmm. the Eclipse 550. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yep. Yep. That's, that is a single pilot airplane. And, and to get a type rating in the Eclipse, you have to go through some type of up, upset recovery training. And I am one of the upset recovery providers for Eclipse. So I've, I've flown with a lot of uh, Eclipse pilots that are, you know, trying to get their Eclipse type rating. Cause it's mandated uh, by the FAA that you have to do. So, so not only that, but I do upset for uh, aircraft owner operators for corporate flight departments. And we literally take the airplane out and put it out of control. And I teach these guys and gals how to recover. So that that's what really got me into the, the L 39 because it's the perfect platform, the mm-hmm. perfect uh, airborne classroom. To, to do that that kind of stuff. So that was really our bread and butter for for a, for a long time. And then it kind of morphed into some other, other training where I do, you know, just L-39 specific training. Like I mentioned, Aaron, if you bought one tomorrow, I could train you, get you ready for your check ride. Mm-hmm. We do a fair amount of L, L-39 formation flying as well, too. Because there are a lot of guys and gals that own these airplanes. There are about 200 L-39s in the country right that, now. Wow, um, that many? Yeah,
0: hmm.
1: yeah and and most of the people that own these airplanes have no military experience. So if you're flying a military jet, you kind of want to, you know, it just kind of comes with the territory. You want to learn how to fly military style formation. So mm-hmm. uh, we we do that as well too. So so we we do that as well too. So that's a lot of fun. Aaron a lot and, of fun.
2: Oh geez, it sounds like it. Aaron and Ryan, they live in northern Utah near Salt Lake City. I live in St. George, Utah, which is at the southern end of the state and, you know, they've got a tiny little regional airport and uh there are two people down there that own L-39s, and we see them flying together no all the time down there. Yeah.
1: So... Well, you know, I, I, it's funny. It's, it's a relatively small community. So I I probably know them or know of them or, or or, excuse me, have met them. Um. (laughs) Jesus, what a pig. You have
3: have such a great (laughs) microphone on your end.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'll have to. That was the dog. (laughs) I'll have to find out. Um, uh, see if I can get in touch with them and uh, drop your name and see if they know who you are. I'm sure they will. Yeah. So yeah. you never
1: know, man. Yeah. You, you, yeah. You, you never know. And what was really, I was, you know, getting back to flying the, flying the SIM with my, my airline bros. Um. You, normally, I mean, everybody always wants to get out of the simulator ahead of schedule, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, you're 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 probably blocked for four hours of, of time in the SIM, but everybody just wants to get the hell out of there. So, mm.
2: um,
1: we would, we would always end up finishing up early, and the, the sim instructor would usually say something like, anything else you want to do? And I'd look at my sim, the guy that I'm flying with or gal that I'm flying with, I said, can you humor me for 10 minutes? And they're usually like, yeah, whatever. So <laughs> I would tell the sim operator, hey, man, can you run me up to about 20,000 feet and cut me loose? So yeah, sure. So they run the sim up to 20,000 feet and cut me loose, and um, I... Not necessarily to prove my point, but just to kind of do it because it's fun. Mm-hmm. Like for the 757, for example, I would do a big ass loop in the 757 <laughs> and come out of that, do a big ass barrel roll, a couple <laughs> aileron rolls, and then this big ass split ass. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. And what, what's funny about that is when on those weird days when you would get the 767 simulator, cause you know, we were typed in both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, I, I could, I could never get enough smash on the 767 300 to get it over the top. Right. I would always run out of energy. Like as I'm coming up to the top of this loop and then the thing would fall out of the sky, but the 57, he could loop that thing all day, all day. <laughs> wow. And, um, that's so cool to know. Yeah. <clears throat> What was so funny was, you know, um, you got—I mean, it's no secret. You guys know that I—I I fly for United, right? I'm an Airbus captain for for United. Uh uh-huh. um, And right, and and here's my disclaimer: anything I say, I do not represent United Airlines or the airline pilots association. Sure. Anything I say is just my own stupid opinion, right? And um, it's only ten percent nothing... true. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. So. So shortly after the after the merger with United and Continental was announced, I get this phone call from a buddy of mine, uh Paul Kozabinski, who's a great dude. He was a new hire classmate of mine at United. He's just a great dude, awesome pilot. Mm-hmm. And and he was working in the flight yeah, he was working in the flight office down in Dulles. He goes, "Hey Pig, I need you to do me a favor." I'm like, "Dude, for you anything." He says, "I need you to go down to Houston to the domicile down there and uh teach all these Continental pilots how to use the iPad. That we're using in the cockpit. And I was like, oh, <laughs> God, okay, sure. So, so me and, and because Continental had, they didn't have the iPad yet, so, but we were merging, so they needed to learn how
0: to use it, right?
1: So, me and five other United guys, we go down to the Houston domicile, which was pretty much all Continental guys and gals. And, mm-hmm. and that was our job. We were like literally uncreating pallets of iPads and activating them and showing these, for starters, the instructors and their standards captains how to use the iPads. So so we had we did have some time on our hands. So one of my buddies goes, "Hey man, why don't we go over to the training center here in Houston, which was at the time Continental's training center, and uh, we'll go fly the seven eight seven STEM."
0: Mm-hmm. Like, yeah,
1: cool idea. Yeah, cool idea. So um, we hooked up with the Continental seven eight seven fleet captain. I don't remember. He was like ah, from Sweden or Finland or I know, he had, he had a really heavy accent. I think his name was Lars. Good <laughs> dude. And, and we're like flying around in his, you know, $30 million toy, the simulator. We're doing, you know, it's cool. We're doing approaches. We're doing touchy-goes and all that kind of stuff. And we're just about done. I think Lars has kind of run out of uh, uh, enthusiasm for these United guys. And I'm sitting in the left <laughs> seat of the 787, seven, and he says to me, Anything else you want to do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, give me 20,000
3: feet and cut me loose. <laughs> yeah, I know where it's going. That's,
1: that's, ex- that's exactly what I said. I said, Lars, can you run me up to about 20K? Cut me loose. Gosh. Sure, for you, I can do that. So he does. He cuts me loose. And I do this big old freaking barrel roll. And it was a piece of cake because the 787 has got this beautiful wide angle HUD with a flight path vector in it and everything. It was just money. Right. So I fly. And he loses his shit. (laughs) He loses his freaking mind. Like hits the emergency stop button on the sim. The sim settles. He's like yelling and screaming and carrying on. And we're all like sheepishly shuffling out of the sim and all my buddies like thanks a lot asshole that was a lot of fun (laughs) Well, he was so mad at me oh my god so mad at me so i figured oh okay well i'm probably gonna get a phone call from my chief pilot right about that one but yeah never did but so i can tell you that yeah you can do aerobatics in the
0: 787 (laughs) (laughs) that's that's so
3: weird that he got so mad i mean you'd think that some kind of upset you know, flying would would be something you'd want to do. I I don't know. That that's weird. I wonder why he got so mad. Did he ever say, I
0: I,
1: I don't don't know. Well, you know, it's funny because I, I had, you know, it's kind of like a car crash, you know, you kind of, you know, you, you kind of remember all, some of the details, but not all of it. You, yeah. know, you Kind of wish that there was a thir- mm-hmm. right, and I, and I've kind of I've kind of pieced it together from my buddies that were in the sim with me, and he was he it's he was ranting about the fact that the sim was very expensive, and yeah, we're gonna uh, okay, okay, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> and uh, but but you know it 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 proves my point that I've told all three of my boys uh-huh. for so many years. Sometimes it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission.
3: Oh, right. Yeah.
1: I I, I agree. I
3: I live by that with my photography sometimes. You know, sometimes you just have to do that.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So anyway, so yes, you can do aerobatics in in the seven eight
4: seven. That is awesome. Good to know. Yeah, You've heard awesome. it here yeah. on the Ramp Check yeah. podcast.
2: So you said you, a word. You heard it. <laughs> That's right. And and this this is kinda gonna kinda get back to seriousness for a second. Just for a minute though, because I'm loving these funny stories. But um Hi. a while back when you were talking about your belly uh landing in the L thirty nine, you said one word. That struck a nerve with me because it's this is something that's that's been going on for a very long time when it comes to the 737 Max airmanship. And right. I want to get your take. We've asked a couple of guests on the podcast, but um, and, and we know that there was a whole chain of events that happened before each one of these aircraft went down. We all know that it was a tragic loss of life. And that there were there were several factors that went into it. But what is your take? I'd really love to hear your opinion on that.
1: OK, no, I, I get it. And now for starters, I, I have never flown the 737.
0: Right. OK, mm-hmm.
1: N- never flown it. I've, I've flown just about everything United has, but I've never flown the 737. And, and we do have some Max's uh part- Uh, right now. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I think there, there are two components to this story. Uh, the first component, and again, you got to take all of this with a grain of salt because I am not a 737 pilot. Right. right? But I, I do have a lot of, I do have a lot of Boeing stink on me. As much as I love my Airbus, I have more Boeing stink on me than Airbus stink right now. (laughs) Um, okay. (laughs) Um, I, I think the, the 737, has probably been developed beyond its capabilities in in a certain way. Um, When you tweak the design so much and you mess with the CG so much that you have to install this MCAS system to get it to fly like a normal airplane in the post-stall regime, Mm -hmm. maybe we've developed the airplane a little bit too far. Now, and, and also designing that system that is a critical point of failure with only one input, it probably wasn't the best idea in the right. world. And I think we're, we're seeing that now. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, having said all that, I truly believe that you're absolutely right with regards to airmanship and training. Um, I, I believe that if those failures had occurred to, had, had happened to my line or American or Southwest or whoever, is flying the airplane here in the United States and some and some other countries where their pilots are well trained, it would have been a non-event. Right. I, I truly, truly believe that. Mm-hmm. I truly I truly, I truly believe that. Um, you know, some of the weird systems anomalies aside, I, I believe that our level of training um is good enough and developed enough where that would have not
0: mm-hmm.
1: would not have been an would not have been a a huge deal right
3: yeah. right yes. and, and, and and maybe yes, it yes, yes. just would have exposed those issues that that you know Boeing probably should have had taken care of before it was even available um you know for the public to fly on like the you know one sensor going to the system you know it should be multiple you know redundancy has always been one of the most important things in aviation and when i was starting to read the reports and and reading what was going on, it just blew my mind that the MCAS system, the system they put in there, like you explained, was only getting data from one sensor. Right. So it's like, come yep. on, that that should have been a no-brainer. Yep.
1: You're absolutely right. I mean, there should have been, you know, if, if that if you have that critical point of failure, there should have been, you know, two independent or more inputs that crosstalk with each other mm-hmm. and compare, you know, you know, but, uh, you know, all that kind of, all that kind of stuff, like so many other systems, uh, on, on airplanes nowadays. So yeah, that, that, that clearly w- was an issue. And, and, and I can also tell you too, that, um, I I have a lot of faith in, I know Boeing's been kind of thrown under the bus as well and they've been raked over the coals over this. And, and, and I, I suppose rightfully so in a lot of ways, but, um, I have a lot of faith that they'll get it figured out. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I also, you know, I, I, I do. And I also believe that there's not a, there's not an air carrier out there right now uh, that's going to put those airplanes back into service and, and until they're ready. And the, the, the right amount of, of, of training or, or, or new training has been developed to, mm-hmm. to make sure everybody's operating the airplanes safely. You know, that's, that's, that's what we do. And, um, and ALPA, the, the airline pilots association, which is the biggest pilots union mm-hmm. in the country, uh, which certainly, you know, I, I am a member of. And, um, they are an outstanding aviation safety organization. More than anything, that's really what they're really, really, really good at. Mm-hmm. Right. So many of the, you know, that truly, you know, you, you, so I am also confident that, uh, that, uh, ALPA is going to be working hand in glove with um, you know, my airline and, and Boeing to make sure that thing is, is ready to go. So when it's parked out there on the ramp and there's a jet way up to it, um, I, th- I think you can probably walk onto that airplane w- with a high degree of confidence that everything's, everything's okay. And, and, and I, I, I'm not just, just saying that. I mean, I, I truly, truly believe that. And, be, and, and although I am not a 737 pilot, I'll, I will never have to sit in the cockpit and fly the airplane. Um, there's a high degree of likelihood that I'll be deadheading in the back of one of those. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. As, as they, as, as they, right. So, you know, absolutely. So, um, you know, when the airplanes are ready to go, I'll take my, my middle seat and with confidence. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Right, right. Yep. 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 But I, I, I tell you what, Chad said, um, you know, th- there's always the the Boeing Airbus thing, which is a lot of fun, for me. <laughs> yeah. and, um, which which I I real I really really enjoy. But I, I can tell you honestly, you the only people that you will ever hear badmouth the Airbus have never flown it. Yeah, I, I and I true I I truly mean that. I I absolutely love the A320. Um, and and F16 guys like me, we feel very comfortable mm-hmm. in that airplane mm-hmm. because. So much of the flight, the flight control architecture is so similar, mm-hmm. right? To the F-16. You know, some of the names are different, but the, you know, you're, you're slicing an apple the same way. You know, it's four-way digital flight controls, four-way redundant. I mean, it auto trim, side stick. It's, it's, it's very, it's a very, very familiar, uh, environment, uh, to me. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I truly do love the airplane. It's, it's, and it is a great hand-flying airplane, believe it or not. Um, uh, the auto trim is magic. And now, you know, you guys know from seeing my bio that, I, you know, I flew the triple yeah. seven as well, mm-hmm. too. Wonderful airplane. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wonderful airplane. Fly by wire airplane. Um, and the seven, eight, seven fly by wire airplane as well. It's my, my humble personal opinion that the yoke is just a freaking dinosaur. We got to get rid of that yoke. But, um, I don't, I don't think Boeing will ever do it because it's kind of an Airbus thing now. (laughs) So, you know, it just doesn't make any Uh sense, right? Yeah. But, you know, I mean, you know, from a, from a practical, from a practical point of view, view, the side stick in the Airbus, um, you know, frees up all that instrument panel in front of it, in front of you. You're not looking over or around this big, stupid yoke. You're not banging your knees on it. You know, know, my Airbus has this beautiful tray table that pulls out from the instrument panel. I can put food on there or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, it's just. It's just so civilized and, um, and the, you know, the, the auto trim is, is magic. Um, I, I, I really wish that, uh, that, that Boeing would find a way to, to incorporate, you know, the side stick in their, in their future designs. Cause it it really is, I think a a, a better ergonomic way to, to fly the airplane. It just, it just makes, just makes so much sense, but I don't know. Oh, funny story, man. When we, um, here you go. Okay. (laughs) When, uh. After, after the, after the merger with, with Continental, um, you know, we for, for a long time, it, we, we've got like five times as many flight attendants as pilots, right? So, um, the Continental flight attendants were basically flying their own metal even after the merger, right? Knowing that we would integrate the United flight attendants with the Continental okay. flight attendants eventually. So when that happened in, I think it was like October of last year, the Continental flight attendants had never flown on the Airbus before. So now they're flying on the Airbus with me.
0: <laughs>
1: um, now, you know, they had had a little bit of training, you know, out of the training center on the doors and all that other kind of stuff before they actually did it. But now they're they're are every day. I've got, you know, brand new uh, flight attendants to the Airbus that come from Continental. And, and uh, this is an awesome story. So <laughs> um, here, you know, here, here we are up in cruise somewhere over the Midwest, you know, you know, 0.79 Mach, just chilling. And flight attendants up in the up in the cockpit with us, because I think we were on a bathroom break or something like that. And I said to her, so how do you like the Airbus so far, knowing that this was her first flight in the Airbus? Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, it's okay, I guess. I mean, you know, I'm kind of getting used to it. I don't really like the galley. And I said, well, I, I get all that. But one of the things that you really need to know is that the, the Airbus is a very, very safe airplane. She goes, well, that's good to know. I said, well, but no, I mean, I, I really mean it. I mean, we can go. We we can fly this airplane with so many systems either deactivated or even missing. And she said, "What do you mean?" And now we're here, we're in the cockpit. Right? She's standing up. I'm sitting down. And I I, I kind of like I kind of like wave my hand at the instrument panel. Right. And I said, "Do you notice anything missing here?" She's like, what? And I said, dude, look, do you notice anything missing here? She
2: goes, what? What? Oh. And I, and
1: I, and I, I kind of make like that with my, I get my two hands out and I kind of make that, like that steering wheel, uh-huh. you know, visual signal uh-huh. with my, my, my two fists. I'm like, don't you, she's, oh, you're kidding me. I'm like, no, we don't need them. They, we, we had them removed. They were broken. So they're out. Ah. Oh, no. Oh, no.
0: <laughs> and she believed you? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Oh, Lord. oh.
3: Oh yeah! Can fly this with a (laughs) mouse? Push button like an iPad.
4: Exactly. Oh
1: god! (laughs) Exactly. I don't know if that fills me with
4: comfort or not, knowing that.
1: (laughs) 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 Well, you know, you know. In her defense, she was probably twenty-two years old. Okay, this was her first. Job out of college. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah, so so we yeah, so uh, that that you know, so yeah, she was a good sport about it, yeah, you know, later on. You know, once we got on the ground in Houston or wherever we were, she's like, Oh, you guys, you can't
0: believe it. I like, oh, <laughs> that's,
1: that's that's great. So that's funny.
0: Having that is me. a funny well, story.
2: Hopefully she didn't go back into the cabin like pale as a ghost and her com- her companions didn't ask her what's wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: <Very laughs> I know,
1: right? oh my oh god holy smokes well uh let's see what else can i tell so, you? um i
3: i do have another question for you if if that's cool um and we, sure. we can kind of go back to i got
1: all the time in the
3: world awesome yeah. we love it we love your time um so combat in over the persian gulf um was this desert storm or iraqi freedom i would what time frame are we talking here? you know
1: you know that's a that's a great question actually n- actually neither when when desert storm kicked off uh i was just about done with f16 school at luke i remember the night that the air war started uh, because i was standing in the squadron bar the 314th tech fighter training squadron at luke watching it happen on cnn oh, wow. in my flight gear getting Getting ready to step out to the jet to do a night surface attack ride, which I almost freaking died on
0: <laughs> um, that
1: particular night. So yes, I, so yes, I almost I almost died the first night of the war in the United <laughs>
3: States. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank God that didn't happen. So <laughs> we have to hear about that too. Then,
1: I know.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll,
1: I'll tell you that story too. So so anyway, so by the time I got to Shaw um with my operational squadron I, I was just there for a couple heartbeats and man whack we were over in the desert to do southern walk. okay southern right. Watch. okay which yeah which was and our, our our area of responsibility was patrolling the southern no-fly zone and dudes we got shot at every freaking day oh no shit every day really wow really oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah and it's funny man i remember my my first my very first combat sortie it was a it was a daytime sortie and i was flying off the wing of brian bishop uh bebop bebop ended up being thunderbird one just a great deal right later in life he, he ended up commanding the thunderbirds so we're loaded for bear um it was one of those um Uh, kill box missions where we would hang a little bit of everything on the airplane because we weren't sure what, you know, if we were going to have to drop on something. So we we had a little bit of everything kind of like a smorgasbord hanging under the wings. Right. Um, And, and the theory was that, you know, as you work this kill box for your vol time that uh, you're working with a ground fac and if they had something for you to blow up then you know, you know, you had a variety of mm-hmm. stores under the wings mm-hmm. that you, know, you could do your job with. So, so we're, we're you <laughs> know we're patrolling our, we're patrolling our kill box and I'm in, in uh, 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 tactical formation. So I'm 9,000 feet line abreast, which is about a mile and a half, you know, line abreast from Bebop. And I'm watching this anti-aircraft fire come up like my right two o'clock. And it's absolutely mesmerizing. I've never this is my first combat mission. I've never seen this before. Mm -hmm. And what it looks like is if you take your garden hose out in your backyard and spray it up in the air, right? That's but it's red or orange or yellow. That's what it looks like, right? And it's just like this, and yeah. And as they track the barrels around, you know, the 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 bullet stream kind of snakes like your garden hose would. Mm -hmm. And it's it's it was surreal. I'm watching this. It was absolutely surreal. And then, the, like, below me, there's, there's, like, all this, like, white popcorn. Well, I didn't – I mean, it took me a while to figure it out, but those were the shells air bursting, right? Oh, And okay. you got pretty good at – yeah, and you got pretty good at guesstimating the caliber of the shells based on how high they were air bursting, the color of the tracers, and the color of the air burst, right? And, I mean, that's something that I learned later on. Um, So I'm just watching this going. God, that's some of the coolest shit I've ever seen in my life. Right? That's fucking crazy. So, so, and it's you know, Bebop's off to my left. This Triple A is off to my right. So I key the mic. I go, "Hey, blower two two. I got Triple uh, A right two o'clock. Looks like it's airbursting about you know, four thousand feet below us. And without even missing a beat, he, he Bebop keys the mic. He goes. Yeah, pig, you might want to move your jet. They're shooting at you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So
1: I tell you what, here's here's one of those. All, here's one of those always a bridesmaid, never a bride stories. Right. <laughs> so. So we're, we're doing, we're flying 24 hour round the clock combat ops, right? We're, we're uh, sometimes we're loaded for uh, surface attack missions. We're working kill boxes. Sometimes we're sitting combat search and rescue support where the airplanes are, you know, again, loaded with a little bit of everything. So if, if we drop a pilot somewhere and the jollies need escort, you know, we've got weapons to, you know, protect that whole operation or we're doing pure air to air stuff mm-hmm. right we're up you know we're doing a lane defense or we're up in combat air patrol or whatever so um i got the classic air to air loadout four by two by gun i got four amrams two Aim nines and a full magazine of gun Ooh. and we're up there doing this com- oh it's just you know it's just fighter pilot you know nirvana right <laughs> so i'm up there in this combat air pa- combat air patrol with my good buddy uh dave rue kanga and a and a wax has got the big picture and AWACS pumps us out of the cap for uh, a fast flyer that's making a run for the 30-second parallel, which is the, I believe it was a 30-second parallel. You guys might want to quality check that. But anyway, the Southern no-fly mm-hmm. Zone mm-hmm. took off from within the fly zone, turned south, is going super, heading for the for the border. So they pump us out of the cap, and at the time, this is way back when, our our particular ROE rules of engagement for the F-16 was we had to visually identify the threat to kill it. Right. We weren't, we didn't, we didn't have any electronic. Well, we did, but we didn't have an approved electronic method for IDing an airplane as hostile. Right. Like the Eagles do. Right. Mm -hmm. So we had to VID the airplane. So as we pump out of the cap, Kanga is the flight lead. Uh, so he has the hammer for making the visual, visual ID. So, and we had briefed all this on the ground. If this happens, this is what we're going to do. So, so the plan was Kanga was going to be on the point. I was going to be in 10 mile trail behind him. We're going to go in there. Basically super Kanga is going to VID the airplane. And if he, and if he comes off this, what is now a bogey, declares it a bandit, declares it hostile, he's going to get the fuck out of there and I'm going to shoot it. Mm. Right so we pump out of the cap uh kang is working the radar i'm working my radar we're talking back and forth we're talking to awax we're running this intercept i'm in 10 mile trail on Kanga. i'm watching this whole thing develop and i know where the where the where the border is and he crosses the border but we're not there yet and i got the i got the amram called up he's still it's it's too much of a rangy shot i, I can't take this shot yet right so then he does this does this big sweeping turn back to the North and we're like ramping downhill, going the speed of stank, trying to catch this fucking guy. Mm -hmm. And what I, what, what we need is I need Kanga basically to no kidding, dust him off, get eyes on him and, and make his declaration as hostile or whatever. And this thing is starting to compress rapidly and I'm doing like the math in my head. I'm like, Kanga, we got to get this VID soon because this, this bogey had already turned back around to the North and was heading for the border again. And if I let this Amram fly, knowing that there is a particular time of flight for that missile and that fireball happens in the fly zone. Okay. That's an international. Sure. Right. Right. You can't even imagine. You can't even imagine the fallout. Right. Mm -hmm. You can't, you you can't, you can't even Mm -hmm. imagine. You can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. So, so anyway, um, by this point, AWACS has figured out that um this particular airplane had crossed back into the fly zone as well and, and tells us to skip it, right? So we so god damn it. But we were we were within nanoseconds mm. of hammering this guy. And it turned out to be a MiG twenty mm. three. And I, I and, and I really wonder if that dude, that Iraqi pilot, knows just how close he was to dying. Wow. Right. I mean, he probably has no idea, <laughs>
0: yeah. right?
1: If he, if he had decent raw, if he had decent raw gear in the airplane, he might, he, he might have some idea mm-hmm. that he was being, being targeted, but, you know, he probably would have died not all 10 step, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but, but at any rate, so that, that's my point. Always the bridesmaid, never, never the bride. <laughs> um, two weeks, two, two weeks after we left Iraq, we left one of our airplanes behind one of our. F-16s for our sister squadron that was replacing us. And two weeks after we got home, Gary North went out and took our airplane and shot down a MiG-25. <laughs> oh my so, god. So, god I know, I know. Damn. I know. <laughs> <God>. and, <laughs>
3: and for for those And for those listeners that don't know what, what Southern Watch was, it was after um, Desert Storm and it was basically trying to control Saddam Hussein and his air force from going back down and attacking Kuwait and and uh mm-hmm. you know raising hell again right and um, yep that's exactly. what it was all about
1: exactly wow exactly um yep it it was it, it was it was a pretty it was a, it was an interesting time but yeah no kidding i mean we got we got shot at every day and there was there's there was one SA-6 battery mm-hmm. That was west of Talil that would, would, would light us up all the time. And now the SA-6 is a very good missile. That's what shot down Scott Green mm. in Bosnia, right? It's a, it's a very sophisticated missile. So when that thing lights up, it gets your attention, right? And so we would do these kind of like show of force packages where we'd put a huge strike package together, armed, armed, you know, for bear. And we just kind of fly all around Iraq, just basically trying to taunt them. Um and more, just about every day when we would do that, this SA6 battery, West of Talil would light us up. Everybody does the funky chicken, you know, and then they would shut it off. And it got to be kind of fucking irritating after a, you know, a couple <laughs> yeah. of weeks of that shit. Yeah. So so uh, again, I'm flying with bebop on this particular day. Uh, and sure as hell, the SA6 comes up. Everybody's raw gear goes off. Everybody fucking does the funky chicken. Everybody, you know, blah. You, you know, kind of. Anyway, and then they shut it off. God damn it, oh, fucking guys! So, bebop and I, it's time to hit the tanker. So we hit the tanker, and we come out of the tanker, and <laughs> I figure we're gonna we're, we're gonna you know head back to our you know head back to our route and press on, but. All of a sudden, I see Bebop's nose come way down. Now, I'm in, you know, again, tactical formation, 9,000 feet, line abreast. I'm a good wingman. Bebop's ramping down. I'm like, what is he doing? But I got to stay in formation. So I shove the nose down. And now we're going supersonic, man. We're just hauling the freaking mail. We're coming down like a set of car keys. I'm <laughs> like, what the hell are we doing? Right? We're coming down. We're coming down. Not a word from Bebop. Uh. Not a freaking word. So we're, we're here. We were just hauling ass, like you know, a gorilla with gasoline underpants running through hell. Right here we come! <laughs> and I, I look out in the, I look out to the, uh, the front of the windscreen, and now I got it. I know what we're doing. There is Talil Air Force Base, right? Mm. And it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm like, holy shit, we're gonna sonic boom these. Oh. That's what we're <laughs> gonna, oh. gonna do. That's what we're gonna do. So cool. <laughs> dudes, we we went smoking across that that Iraqi Air Force Base. I don't one point five, oh, 1.6. Holy shit! Like that.
0: Oh, that oh. woke him
1: up, <laughs> dudes. Dudes, it, it was it was ridiculous, and now I'm laughing like a schoolgirl. Yeah. Right? I, I I cannot believe we're doing this. And I guarantee you, there was not an eardrum or a pane of glass left on that freaking airplane. We just totally dusted those assholes. That's off. so fucking so. cool, man.
0: <laughs> that is. That is so cool. It, it's so it, awesome.
1: <laughs> and what was so funny, man. So I mean, I, I I I almost peed in my pants. I'm just laughing so hard, right? I just, can't, just the the audacity of it. And not a single not a single freaking word from Bebop, right? So we land back in Dharan. We shut down, you know. And you always had to do a debrief with the Intel guys mm-hmm. when you got back, mm-hmm. right? And John Pelliquin our, our Intel guy, he's got this big, shitty grin on his face. <laughs> and uh, he's just standing there, you know, with his arms folded. And he goes, hey, boys, you know, <laughs> how, how'd Gunner Flight go today? I'm like, yeah, Gunner was good. He's still got that stupid smile. So he goes, anything uh, I need to know about? No, not a thing. So I don't. I don't know if you know if you got a clue, bird from AWACS uh-huh. or whatever. So, I mean, I'm sure AWACS saw the saw the whole. I'm sure they saw the whole freaking thing, right? <laughs> oh man! <laughs> Dude, so, so have cool. yeah. they
3: switched on that that SA six? Would you guys have taken it out?
1: Uh, you know. It, if they had, if they had turned that thing, you know, and, and it's getting a little, little technical here, sure. but there's usually a, there's usually an acquisition rate. There's usually an acquisition radar okay. and then a, a, a target track and then a target tracking radar. Mm-hmm. So, um, but for gotcha. the we, at the time, um, it, yeah, if you were targeted, then yeah, we'd probably blow that fucking yeah. up but, uh, or, or, or get the hell out of there and have the weasels. do,
3: Yeah. That. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Because the weasel, yeah, right. So right. after the weasels are much better at that. than After I
2: mean. the after the sonic boom, um, how often did it come on again after that?
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: I know.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> would you believe? Yeah, would you believe? Yeah, they were they, they were actually quiet. Yeah,
2: kind of hope they would. Figured they would be. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. They they were quiet for a while. They were quiet for a while. But you know, one of the one of the things that was really interesting to me was and you guys know you're av geeks, like, mm-hmm. right? Um, I I flew with a lot of guys in the Air Force that were not necessarily av geeks. They didn't grow up enamored with aviation. Um, but they got a wild, wild hair and just, you know, later, later in life, maybe when they were a senior in college, maybe they saw Top Gun like, Hey, that looks pretty cool. I think I might like to be a fighter pilot. And they go to pilot training and it turns out that they're good at it and they get, they get to be a fighter pilot, but they really, the only, the only stuff they know about flying or aviation is what the air force has taught mm-hmm. them. And, and I'll give you a perfect example of what I'm talking about. This goes back to Iraq. Uh, I was in the combat air patrol, again, with a with a flight lead who will remain nameless, and AWACS had a low-fast flyer for us that had taken off inside the fly zone and had penetrated the southern border. So we go pumping out of the cap to go intercept this guy, and again, it was VID, just like the MiG-23 scenario. Mm-hmm. And uh, and again, standard for us, I was in 10-mile trail, and we actually got to this airport. And uh, the flight lead does his VID. He comes off hard to the right and says, "ID friendly, skip it," meaning don't shoot it, pig.
0: Right?
1: <laughs> ID friendly, <laughs> skip it. So we we come off to the northwest. I rejoin on my flight lead, and he goes, "Hey man, we're going to go take another look." So we're, not, we're now we're in we're in close formation, and we pull up onto the wing of this thing, and it is a C one thirty. It is a white C one thirty with the big UN mm, on oh. the tail, right? So, so, so they, you know, so now, so we're flying formation off of the C-130 and my flight lead keys the He goes, pig, what is that? No. How what? the hell do you not know what a C-130 is? <laughs> Wow. No shit. Right? Right. Wow. And, 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 and that's, yes. And, and that's, and that, and that is to my point there. I mean, there, there are dudes that I flew with who were outstanding fighter mm-hmm. pilots. But they weren't necessarily av geeks. They weren't necessarily av geeks, and like you, like you three, and me, and and that's a perfect example of 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 what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. You know, ah. and that, that was always kind of a always always kind of a head scratcher for me, man. You yeah, know, you, know, you know, these are guys that you know, now you're not going to see them at the air show. You know, on their time off, they're you know they're playing golf or whatever they're doing, but damn good fighter pilots. Mm-hmm. But not not necessarily avgeeks yeah interesting yeah. interesting and, and there were there were i mean there were there were a fair fair amount of guys like that wow yeah, yeah, yeah I, I mean yeah. interesting and huh?
4: the, the c-130 yeah. is as an avgeek one of the most recognizable aircraft out there <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. yeah. A-
0: a- a- absolutely i mean thing.
1: i mean absolutely um, it might
2: be easier to understand if he was like Trying to figure out the difference between a seven fifty seven and a seven (laughs) sixty seven, yeah, you know, or an A three hundred versus an A three ten, but a C one thirty, yeah, that's that just blows me away. I know,
1: wow, pretty recognized, and and the only reason we didn't shoot him is because he saw the big un. (laughs) Thank God it was that. Jeez, I know, I, I know, right. But I, I, I tell you something else, man. One of the, one of the coolest things, I mean, I, I, I loved flying combat. It was absolutely surreal. And, it, and people always look at me cross-eyed when I say that. But, huh. um, I, I truly, truly did. I, I mean, I, 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 I truly did. And, um, honestly, I wish I, I could have flown some more. Um, but one of the, one of the coolest things outside of combat flying that I got to do in the F-16 was we took the entire squadron from Shaw. And we deployed to Italy for a month, right? And we, we bed the squadron down in, at Getty Air Force Base, which was an old Luftwaffe base during World Mm -hmm. War II. And it was now an Italian, an Italian tornado base. And for a month, dudes, we flew with the Italians and we, and we fought the French. We flew all through Europe, right? Just classic ugly Americans, right? (laughs) Just hauling ass through the Alps at low altitude, right? <laughs> just spilling everybody's
0: music at you know, eight o'clock in the morning, you know, just, you oh, know,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> just, you know,
1: downtown partying, partying like rock stars. And one of the cool things about Europe and and the guys that were, were, that were, you know, based in USAFE mm-hmm. are very familiar with is the entire continent. The airspace is like one big freaking free for all dog fight. Right. You can jump anyone at any at any time. Right. Or you can do an airfield attack anywhere at any time. So your head is on a constant swivel mm. when you're f- when you're flying around Europe. Right. Um, but we for two weeks straight, we fought the Mirage 2000s, the French Mirage 2000s out of Orange. Mm. And talk about surreal, man, being in a dogfight over the south of france in july with an airplane you've never seen before i just like man just you know spiritually you're going back to world war ii and you're (laughs) just just cool as hell but what was so funny about the french and their mirage 2000 was before we got before we actually deployed to italy we we knew that we were going to fight the french we already had that on the schedule Mm -hmm. right so uh Uh, our weapons officer, JC Connors said, well, hey, man, I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can get smart, a little bit smarter on this Mirage 2000. Why don't I call the guys that fight them all the time? I'll call the weapons officer from the F-15 squadron in Bitburg because they fight them all the time. I'll kind of get the data dump on fighting the Mirage 2000. So this eagle weapons
0: officer
1: (laughs) tells JC, oh man, these guys are cocky. They think you're bombers. So for an Eagle weapons officer to call somebody, five, <laughs> yeah.
0: right? That's saying something, yeah, right?
1: Right. Right. That's, that's saying something, man. So yeah, they they These French guys, they have no respect for you. You f 16s. They think you're bombers. It's it's yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so my, my very first four, four V four with the French Mirage 2000s, right? We, we launch, we're obviously we're air to air configured. I think I'm like number three in this formation. And, there's an AWACS, there's a NATO AWACS airborne that's going to control the fight, right? And and normally the way this works is you got a big chunk of airspace. Um the French have their home plate in the north, we got our home plate in the south. And that's kind of where you marshal your your forces until fights on and then you both, you know, turn toward the middle and let let the fun begin, right? Mm-hmm. So we're we're cruising up there. We've already hit the tanker, we got tons of gas. We're driving up to the airspace. Air, AWACS is airborne and AWACS so there are controllers on the on the AWACS. Some of those controllers are going to help the French guys. Some of those controllers are going to help us. And the, and you're passing the, the kill calls on a common frequency, right? So the French as as we, as we as we as we approach the airspace, I got my radar down track, and I can see that the French are already on station, right? They're already orbiting up in their their home point up there in the north of the airspace. So they're mm-hmm. waiting for us, right? So clearly they've, so clearly they've already checked in with AWACS to say, Hey, we're here, right? We're ready to go. I, I know, I know that they have. Right? So as we approach the airspace, we, we check in with, with the AWACS, you know, Hey, uh, you know, Ranger flights here, you know, we're, you know, blah, 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 blah. So the French, the French guys <laughs> hear us, hear us check in with the AWACS and to intimidate us, which was hysterical. <laughs> They decide that they're going to check check. They decide that they're going to check in again on the same frequency. And I'm sorry, dudes, but there is nothing intimidating about the French language. <laughs> and it went something like this, right? It, you know, n- n- like normally when we would check in, we'd be like, you know, it, it would it would sound something like, see, so you, you got a flight of four, right? You got a mm-hmm. flight of four, and the, and the flight lead checks you in on the new frequency, and they'll say something like, Gunner, check two, three, four. Right? Just like you've heard. Mm-hmm. So, the French guys check in, and it sounded like this. It sounded like this. <laughs> That's the funniest fucking
0: thing I've ever heard! Oh, shit. Oh, That would have been
3: money to hear
1: that. That's the funniest thing I've ever heard! Oh, my God. So, anyways. So, so we're, we're ready in the South. French are ready in the North. Fight's on, right? Fight Fights on, so they they turn south. They turn their four ship south. We turn our four ship north. It's like a forty five mile setup, right? To- completely BVR. Mm-hmm. But these fucking idiots are in the contrail.
0: Oh, the con-
1: I, I see. I got four four contrails, forty five miles away. I'm like, I can turn my radar. <laughs> on. I get this dick, <laughs> I get this dick- <laughs> already. That's awesome. <laughs> Just, you know. But you were just
3: bombers, so, so who cares if so they were in contrail, right?
1: Right. Well, <laughs> well, what, what was really funny was, and and, and, and I, what I am not shitting you, we we beat we club we was like clubbing baby seats, <laughs> right? I mean, it's fun, right? It's fun, but there's not a lot of sport in it, right? I mean, it, we just it was like you know, it was just like just whipping a redheaded stepchild <laughs> for two weeks, you know.
0: oh Oh, god
1: that was just ridiculous that's hilarious That's awesome Uh, god those freaking all i can think about is that line from dumb and dumber
4: i don't know lloyd the french are assholes
1: (laughs) 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 that's a great story man
0: oh Oh, shit
1: yeah And, and what was what was funny about them too was i mean after they just got abused after we just abused them for so long um they they kind of started disregarding the training rules like for example there is a there's a 500 foot bubble around your airplane and that's for safety right. i mean you do yeah. not press an you do not press an attack inside the 500 foot bubble right i mean there's a huge huge mid-air collision potential and and fighters run into each other all the time for violating that training rule you know these guys they were they were getting so mad and so aggravated because we kept handing them handing them their ass that <sighs> You know, they, they would, they would do shit like, you know, violate the bubble or try to dust you off and all this, you know, all this, all this kind of stuff. Like, okay, this is, this is actually beginning to get dangerous because these guys are so pissed <laughs> off that we've just abused them for so bad, for so long. So, so but I'm, I'm not, you know, it's, it's truly not an overstatement. I, I have like, I have hundreds of, it, I just have so much HUD film with a freaking mirage. Oh, it's just, wow. it's, a, it's just a beautiful oh, thing that's yeah. cool. But, but the other cool, the, yeah, but the other cool thing that we did was we we would fly low levels with the tornadoes, the Italian mm-hmm. tornadoes. And let me tell you something, I I wasn't really expecting a whole lot from the Italians before I got over there because I didn't know anything about them. But I came away from that deployment really impressed with the Italians, mm. man. They have a very serious warfighting spirit. Their pilots are freaking awesome. And I'd let's tell you what, that freaking tornado, they put those wings back. And they'd go down, they TF terrain follow down to eighty feet, eighty freaking feet. Wow! And they're hauling, they're hauling the mail. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not going down (laughs) there. You know, I'm not going down there with you guys. That's insane. It it, it was insane. But the other, but the other cool thing too was we at the time the Italians were still were still flying the F104. Okay. Wow. And we would fly. Oh yeah, and so I mean, what a just a freaking awesome airplane! And we would fly with them, and and we would fight those guys too. And and you know that that was kind of a non-event because you know, yeah. it took the entire continent for them to do a hundred-degree <laughs> yeah. <per>
0: turn, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: right. And, and that 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 and that freaking airplane had that you know it's got the J seventy-nine in it, same engine as the F four, and it smoked, mm, and yeah. that dirty like like skid mark yeah. smoke stain right <laughs> that you could see for. For miles and miles, <laughs> but what was what was really funny about fighting the F one hundred and four is, I mean, it was it was really easy to roll in uh-huh. behind them and 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 close for for guns. It was very very easy, but once it was time to actually gun them, to actually turn the gun on and shoot the guy with a gun, not so easy because it's like you know, pull your pencil out of your freaking pocket. That's it's like trying to get right. it. there. Was like no, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> You know, there was like, there was like no air, there was like no airplane <laughs> right. there. It's like this tiny little target. Like, God, you know, so you, you kind of got into this, I like, wish you were dead thing, you know, where like, you're, you're. God, I wish you, I wish you were dead. I wish you were yeah. dead, you know, and, and, he, and he's not dying just because he's so wow. small. God, I'm trying to gun this guy, but there's no, there's not there's no target. There's nothing out there to shoot. At. <laughs> but, uh, but I, I really. Yeah, was really, really impressed with the Italians. Um, it's funny, man. We were, we were planning a a strike mission with the Italian tornadoes. So we had to go over across the base to the Italian tornado Mm -hmm. squadron. Um, and do this, do this mission planning with them. And it was a low level through the mountains to, uh, we're going to like attack some bridge or something like that. So uh, I'm in the, the the mission planning room with the Italian pilots and their wizzos and you know we've got a we've got to put lines on a map basically for this low level route right you, you, you literally got to get a magic marker out and put your line on on the map and these these maps are are ginormous so when you pull a map out of the file cabinet and you unfold it it's like the size of a freaking garage <laughs> right and you and, and it, it, it's obvious you know that map is too unwieldy for the cockpit because you only need like a one foot by one foot section of this mm-hmm. map right but so and, and that's where you're going to put your line on. And that's going to be folded up on your leg or shoved in your somewhere in your cockpit. And and every pilot's going to have one of these maps. So we got to make a bunch of these maps. So we pull this map out of the file cabinet. We unfold it. We get this massive garage door size map on the mm-hmm. table. And these Italian guys, their English isn't great. I don't speak any Italian. So normally what you would do is you would cut out the section of the map that you want and just throw away the rest of it. It's not that big a deal. But I can't find a pair of freaking scissors anywhere in this Italian mission planning room. So I reach down into my leg and I grab my boot knife. I've got a double-edged boot knife. I always have it and I always fly with it. And it's razor sharp because it needs to be able to cut a parachute mm-hmm. harness if it's my you know, if that's my last mm-hmm. line of defense, right? So I pull this freaking boot knife, I pull this freaking boot knife out of my leg. And I and I come up with it, and these two Italian guys
0: jump back. Like, their eyes are like big as
1: saucers. They're like, "Holy shit! Man, what's what's a crazy what's the crazy American gonna do, man?" I'm like, "It's you know, I just <laughs> just oh my god, that's that's The map, you know, yeah, yeah." They were terrified. They they jump back like, "Oh my god, what is this guy doing?" I'm like, "It's just to cut the map." Awesome. Too
3: crazy. many American it's, horror movies, but yeah. but I. I uh,
1: I, I guess I guess but uh, but I I I again I really came away with so much respect uh for for those guys um they were they are they like I say they got a real war fighting spirit and um and they they do a they do a hell of a job so do the Brits you know the Brits yeah. they don't
0: you,
1: you talk to any British British you know aviation enthusiast and they think they invented the airplane <laughs> you know it's 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 interesting how yeah <laughs> you know how ingrained aviation is is in their culture but you know having flown with the Brits over in the Gulf too you know the Jaguar guys and the Buccaneer guys and their Tornado guys man they don't get excited about anything anything wow. it's it's pretty cool i l- love wow. those guys yeah love those guys well
2: yeah
0: so dude
1: we're
2: dudes. uh like we're 2 hours into this right now so wow. we should probably i know it doesn't feel like it at all <laughs> yeah it's crazy wow. i know and I have a feeling that uh, you've got a lot more to
1: share with us. Is that true, <laughs> uh, dude? I, I could talk to you all day, but oh, you know what? I did have yeah. another question. Um, am I a uh, am I a special uh, edition? You, you. <laughs> I think. <laughs> shit. I, th-
0: I think Tony went
3: back to renaming them by number instead of uh, yeah. Special it edition. was confusing,
2: but uh, we'll we'll call you a special edition. This definitely qualifies for it, I'd say. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, but um definitely. would would you be willing It's nice right? to it is, damn it. <laughs> um would you be willing to come back and join us for another uh for a part two like we did with Mark?
1: If if you guys if you guys can stand it, I, I would be yeah. happy to do that. Now it's not like I got a whole lot yeah, going on. Right.
4: <laughs> you to Dude, well, we would I, love
1: that. This is this
4: has been uh this has been awesome. I mean, They're I guess odd. we
2: can see what the feedback about the episodes like too, but, uh. <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
1: yeah, you might want
4: to.
1: Yeah. The FCC is going to be, the FCC is going to be knocked on your This is a
2: podcast. Oh, they have God. no jurisdiction. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Excellent. tell us, uh, tell our listeners out there one more time. If they want an experience, um, in an L39, or, you know, if they're if they're looking for one of your um, one of your upset recovery uh, courses, uh, how do they get a hold of you guys?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Jet. So just so so, you know. Uh, the way the uh, FARs are written is that in order for me to fly anybody in the L thirty nine, they have to have they have to have a pilot certificate, and we have to do no kidding training. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, if I could take anyone off the street for a ride in the L thirty nine, I would I would I would buy two of mm-hmm. them tomorrow because I would get those phone calls mm-hmm. all the time. But just just the way the FARs are written, because the airplane's certified in the experimental category. Um, we have to to generate revenue with the airplane. Mm-hmm. We have to be doing no kidding training, which means you have to have some kind of a gotcha. pilot certificate. But uh, I'm I'm easy to find. Uh, the obviously the Instagram is uh, at Acrojet. The website is Acrojet.net. Uh, if you go to Acrojet.com, you find some weird Iranian. Oh airplane. no!
0: Shit. <laughs> go to Acrojet.net. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I'm not you. Well, I fun. know, All right? Oh wow! I know, right? So. So yeah, so you got to go, you got to go to acrojet.net and all the contact information is there. And uh, yeah, yeah. Happy to, happy to hear from uh, anyone that's interested in doing uh, any of that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Uh, Hey, can I, can I, can I throw out a shameless plug? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So uh, dogs are the best people that I know. And I have three bernie's mountain dogs i have uh wendy cosmo and finn and they have their own ig account it's after burners <laughs> a-f-t-e-r-b-e-r-n-e-r-z after burners <laughs> they are public nice. figures aren't, they are public figures so so give them a follow they're the that's cool best. aren't so those mountain
3: been, dogs like huge aren't they big is it the type of? They,
2: yeah they are holy Wow! So we'll need to follow them. I'm going to yeah. look
1: that up right yeah, now. So, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Afterburners. Yep. But uh, they're they're the best. And uh, uh, one of them has been laying here on the floor the whole time we've been we've been nice. and so that's Cosmo. But yeah, they uh, they're they're awesome dogs. So yeah, I'm I'm always stepping over a dog in my little house. here. <laughs> oh, that's dogs. awesome. <laughs> nice. That's awesome.
4: All right, well, we are followed geez. on Afterburners yeah. now um, from our rap check. Good. So we're following it now.
1: Nice. That's Very awesome. cool.
2: Well,
0: well, Pete, nice thank you guys. again
2: Thanks. so much. This has been just, uh, it's just been a riot. I, been I haven't laughed so much during a podcast. Oh at, yeah. And, uh, just been so enlightened <laughs> at the same time. Um, yes, we are definitely looking forward to having you back for another episode. So we can uh, hear some more, um, about, uh, just about you and, and, your incredible life and what you do. So, (laughs)
1: yeah, yeah. I feel
3: like I, well,
2: well
1: guys, I, I, I no, go, go ahead, Pete. I was just going to say, I, I, oh, thanks, Jensen. I would love that. And, um, you know, let me just, uh, let me just circle back to you and, and, and tell you how much that I love what you guys are doing. Um, everything that you got going on from the podcast to the IG feed to the website. Um, you know, you guys get it. Um, and, uh, I really appreciate, I really appreciate everything that you do. And, and I really appreciate your, uh, your extending, extending the offer out to me to just, uh, sit down and have a couple beers and, and, and tell some stories with you. It's been a, it's been a blast. So, um, I wish you nothing but, you know, further success. And, um, I'm just, just so glad to be, uh, part of your orbit as well, man. It's, it's really an honor. Oh, you so too, thank my you. friend. Oh, and, thank uh, you.
2: um,
3: it was an I, honor for
2: us. Yes, definitely. And we need to, uh, uh, we need to make a point to do this face-to-face one of these days. Oh, hell so. yeah. Yeah. All hell, yeah.
1: hell
2: yeah.
0: Cool. Well, on it, that
2: you.
3: note, Aaron, right on. Uh, let <laughs> us know uh, how we can find you on Instagram. Sure. So I have a personal account, uh, Instagram and Twitter, at Aaron Rumfollow. Uh, and then, of course, all the uh, aviation content and Ramp Check content, at Ramp Check Global on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we also have a Ramp Check Global uh, Facebook page, and then of course RampCheckGlobal.com. dot com. Ryan,
4: um, you can. Sorry, I was I was looking at the. Uh, Ryan's looking at dogs
2: on his Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> 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 Which are very Squirrel. beautiful
4: dogs, by the way. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you can find me at Rome. Follow me, and before I turn it over to Tony to give that, uh, I just want to personally thank you again. This has been uh, a lot of fun. And I uh, can't wait to have you on again.
1: Tony? Oh, thanks, man. It's been <laughs> awesome. fun for me, too.
4: Cool. Uh, find me
2: on Instagram at t It's been a while since I've spelled a boys, so I won't spell it. Um, <laughs> but uh, don't forget that you can find the Ramp Check Podcast now on a number of platforms. Of course, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. We are on Pandora now. Uh, So you can check us out there. And uh, by the time you hear this podcast, we will be on the TuneIn app, which is the primary podcaster for um, those of you that are Amazon subscribers. So you will be able to tell Alexa to listen to the Ramp Check podcast. So we're really thrilled about that (laughs) um, as well. And, uh, you know, keep an eye open. More platforms coming But uh, don't forget to go to our ramp swag store. You can get there from uh, rampcheckglobal.com.
3: You just made
2: the Alexa. Did Alexa uh, (laughs) play the podcast?
3: Thermostat, (laughs) start talking because you said Alexa.
2: Hey, hold on. Alexa, (laughs) play the ramp check podcast.
3: No. I couldn't find Ramp Oh, see, she (laughs) couldn't (laughs) find it. (laughs) Bitch. (laughs) Bitch. Anyway.
2: (laughs)
0: uh,
2: Get some of our ramp swag from the ramp swag store. You can get that at www.rampcheckglobal.com. There's also a link to um, uh, our aerospace and uh, aviation news page, which is rampcheckreport.com. So anyway, thanks again for uh, another great edition of the Ramp Check podcast. We hope you feel the same. Don't forget to subscribe, share it when you can. And of course, give us that five-star rating.
4: Thanks for joining. Good day.